I will not be on the next two shows. Really? Yes. I uh, the beard is cut because this uh, this blunderous uh, pandemic beard doesn't go well with uh, with uh, fair food. I'm I'm going to work a fair. Wow! Really? Mm-hmm. Leaving Thursday, and I'm going to be in uh, West Palm Beach for ten days. <laughs> Wonderful, Florida, yeah. COVID Central. Good job. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, fortunately, I'm vaccinated, but uh, true. Pra- practice your COVID uh, mm-hmm. virus cell. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. God, I wonder if people think that's funny or not. Huh. I do. I know we do. We're all sick fucks. <laughs> well, I mean, anybody that takes offense because they're an anti-vaxxer or whatever, they can go fuck themselves. Yeah, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of my, uh, my take the other day on it now. That, that is Florida. Uh, the important part is that since, you know, Matt never listens to the show, when I'm not here next week, he's going to have no idea, and he's going to think I was serious about not showing up if he's going to be back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this fair food that, you're so, that you cut your beard specifically for in anticipation? Everything in the fair is sticky or powdery. The worst one was, uh, it was a, uh, an elephant <laughs> ear covered with powdered sugar and honey. It was like exploding napalm sticky bomb. What is an elephant ear? Uh, fried dough. Oh, so it's like a zeppeli or whatever. It's it's kind of like a funnel cake, basically. Yeah. <laughs> See, I used to go to the Italian fair in Jersey. That's oh why yeah, it's yeah. Zeppoli, you know, Same idea. Yeah. Zeppels and cannolis, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, did did you ever have the fried butter? No, I never you know did. What? They fried butter. They uh, they stopped <laughs> serving at the year before I got the Iowa fair. I have had uh, deep fried Oreos. Uh, the best one I've had is some deep fried Reese's peanut butter cups. Deep fried Snickers are fucking awesome. Snickers are pretty good too, but the uh, there's too much. It's it's all about the texture. Like deep yeah. fried Oreos ruins the texture. There's no crunch left in it, and like half the flavor of an Oreo is a crunch. It depends on how they're prepared. When uh, when serendipity was still a thing, uh, we had an amazing deep fried Oreo. What they did was um, they used a tempura batter, which was very light, and then rolled it in crushed cornflakes which added the crunch back in. And you had this amazing soft cake-like texture when you've been into the Oreo with mm-hmm. that, that little bit of crunch on the outside. And I, I, to this day, I haven't found a better deep-fried Oreo than what we had there. You used to be able to get deep-fried Oreos, Twinkies, deep-fried fucking anything at the Mermaids. Yep. Remember Mermaids? In, in, in Vegas, Vegas. Uh, yeah. Dinky Casino downtown. Yep. And you don't go there to gamble because if you are, you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. But you go yeah. there for the deep fried stuff. I want to go back to this deep fried butter. Doesn't that just melt and then just sink into the dough? It's soaked, it's soaked into bread. They roll the butter into a, a flour substance and then they deep fry it. And it uh, You know what? Jesus, I think I may have actually had it because that sounds. I did have it. They had it at the Big E. It's not great. It, it tastes like very buttery bread. Sounds disgusting. Andy, was this the uh, fair that uh, you were at last year that they canceled hours before it opened? This is a brand new fair for me. This is actually uh-huh. a fair that takes place before that fair. That's fair supposed to happen in uh, probably April. And they had it. And they didn't, nobody showed up. No, none of the weren't many vendors there. 
but lots of people showed up, so they said, "Oh, let's do it again." So they, that's why it's last minute, and that's why I ended up in it because other people couldn't rearrange their schedules or didn't want to rearrange their schedules. So this is sort of an experimental fair, but oh. uh, it's a, it's another fair for me, and it's uh, a foot in the door. Doesn't mean I'll be there next year because. There's some people have been doing it all along, but uh, what's an experimental fair? I'm picturing carnies in lab coats. I don't well, know, but I want to go to one. Right. And what I heard was an experimental affair, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I'm no, no and Andy, there's some story there. <laughs> I'm no stranger to those. <laughs> no. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 588. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Back checked Andy. Oh, no, excuse me. Homeless lumberjack Andy. <laughs> Dr. Vaughn. <laughs> and we're to talk week and geek. Gentlemen, good to see you. Everyone's vaccinated and smiling. I love it. And yet we're still all locked in our houses. But whatever. Ounce of prevention. Yeah, exactly. That's, I'm but, sorry. That is the best thing about the pandemic is I don't have to, like, see people and I don't have to touch people. It's great. I, I want to keep this social distancing thing going. <laughs> and that's actually you know the thing i actually do like about the pandemic is the one-way aisles in the grocery stores you mean yours they actually follow that no one follows uh, that. No, the no they don't follow it but the but the idea is good i mean and and uh it definitely makes the traffic flow better where are you shopping where people are actually following that new england uh they aren't really following my, my i've discovered that the best thing to do is uh shop at about 10 o'clock at night about an hour before they close up cough instacart Cough. You know, my favorite thing about people from Texas lately, Barry, is I get a lot of them uh, in the restaurant, and they're all talking about it. I was like, yeah, we had to come out here because the restrictions at home are too high. And I was like, what the fuck state are you talking about? Restrictions restrictions in Texas? Yeah, exactly. I was like, since when? Deb and I went to a a brewery for like a Saturday ago because a friend of ours was working there. So we're, of course, masked up and keeping six feet away from each other. Not a single person around us had a mask on. Talk to me about restrictions. So, gentlemen, what did you do this week? Barry, we'll start with you. Okay, because I've been away a couple of weeks, so I got a couple. I got three things that I did. Uh, The first thing a couple weeks ago is I finally got to go to a Ren Fair. Really? Year out. There's a Ren Fair outside of uh, uh, Austin. It's called Sherwood Forest Fair. It used to be really small, but now it's really big, and they got a place you could stay in there, which books up apparently like a half a year in advance. And it was just a really good time. Deb and I went, because I was, and we were almost thinking of not going, but we're like, ah, no, screw it, because otherwise we're not going to get to go until like November or so, or October again, when the other fair in Texas is around with the really really big one and i've been jones in the go so got all my gear on she got hers and we just off we went and just had a good time man you know and i missed that so much fair you know fair is one is just amazing because everyone there is all there for the same reason to drink and and pretend to be pirates and and <laughs> drink some and more that's your first fair in texas right this is not your first fair ever this was my first fair since the pandemic started. Okay, okay, all right. Hey, no, I've, that'd be weird. I've been in a fair many a time. Yeah, yeah. Barry's a notorious fairgoer. You strike Fitz You strike Fitzmanus' body is about thirty percent turkey leg. You know, I can't finish a turkey leg, so I never buy it anymore because half you know of it why? goes to waste. Why you know can't why? I? It tastes like ham. It does taste like ham a little bit. Mm-hmm. It yeah. does. 
Yeah. No, I don't like those. I like the like the alligator on a stick. That's Ooh, cool. Yeah. You ever have fried alligator on a stick? And then, of I course, I am smart, and I don't carry a sword or any of that crap that I'm never going to hit anybody with. I My costume is all booze. I have two I room for two full bottles that I have in leather, uh, leather sh- like, sheaths for bottles. I have four, like, potions of booze, and then I have, like, mm-hmm. a bandolier of little shots on uh-huh. my arm, too. I'm just loaded down with booze. I make friends very easily at fair. I'll bet you do. You have trouble getting through the, because uh, I, I know they start to search you when you come in, usually. No, they don't search you. So I hide all that stuff very carefully, and then I walk in, I go in, like, maybe 30 feet, and then I just gear all my stuff up and walk around. Cops don't care as long as you're not, like, open, carrying swords around, swinging them around. That's what they're looking for. Right, they don't care about you peace-tying your booze. <laughs> I'll take swords for a thousand, Alex. I was waiting for that. All right, so, second geeky thing I did was, um, well, it's not what I did, it's how fast I agreed to pay for this. So, I like Star Wars, okay? And No! No, I know, right? And so Deb's away right now. So technically, this is what what parents of autistic children call this <laughs> structured time for Barry. So <laughs> I'm just sitting on a couch, just watching TV, and Deb calls. She's like, "Hey, uh, a friend of ours is at Disneyland right now. He lives in California. They just released Skywalker Legacy lightsaber set, and they didn't really tell anybody about it. It was on the like the May the fourth. Technically, it was the fifth, and." Uh, it's like, yeah, they just released this thing. My friend wants to know if you want, to, want if you want to buy one. So I look it up online. Apparently, there's only three thousand of these things made. A thousand went to California. A thousand went to Disney World in Orlando, and a thousand went online. And the ones online sold out in fifteen minutes. Of course, I said yes. So I now am the owner of the Leia Organa hilt and the Reforged Skywalker hilt, and they nice. are gorgeous. And it comes in a box, and you open it, and it plays the Force theme. Oh and- wow. All wrapped up just like the ones that Ray buried in the desert at the end of the last movie. So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. That's my geeky thing. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then my third thing. I there is no third thing. There is there is definitely a third thing. I got my setup for Hyborian War. What on earth is Hyborian War? Well, let me <laughs> tell you. I hate checking the mail. Because it's always bills and bad news, and Deb's freaking dad or someone got, like, this stupid conservative judicial watch thing sent to my house, and I gotta throw those out. It's, oh. And so, you know, obviously, it's all crap and ads and bills, which, you know, you just throw those away. Um, <laughs> I miss the days when I was anxious to actually get stuff in the mail. Well... In it turns out ninety three when I played this it, it's uh it's Imperial Conquest in the Age of Conan it's a play by mail game it's wait 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 play by mail play by mail not computer the... not email it's not even available nope you gotta actually lick a stamp and put your turns in the mail and in like two weeks or so later you get the results of what you did and then you do your thing and it goes for like thirty turns. And then that's a game. And there's like Wait, that... 30 kingdoms that you can, that you, in the in the age of Conan. So, you know, Aqualonia, Nemedia, Samaria, Hyperborea, all those. 
and they give you like a like a map and and then there's like up to 30 people can play in one game generally it's a games of about 10 12 or so and you can actually write people like physically write them and send them like requests to ally and stuff and and you uh, it's fun it was a lot of fun back then i just got a wild hair up my ass and i was like let me see if this is still going it's been going since 1985 and the prices have stayed the same <laughs> it's like nine bucks a turn or something it's stupid i and haven't even thought of play by mail since seeing them in ads in dragon magazine in the early 80s where do you think I first found the damn thing? Actually, no, that's incorrect. I found it in a Conan comic I was reading. But I'd also seen him in Dragon. Now, there's uh, other play-by-mail games that are available out there right now, but I just know this one. And so you can go to reality.com, HTTP, not the S for some reason, because the website is just as old as this game. has never been updated. But uh, they're still going because I called them today, and they still had my number on file from 28... Years get ago, out. yeah. Oh, so we're uh, we playing some Hyborian War. If anyone wants to get in on this, I think we can get like six people in a friends game. So, uh, Kirsten, are you down? Uh, I sent in from my packet, so I'm just waiting to get it. Yes, ah. Hyborian War. That's a thing. That's so, a so, that's so, some geek, geek right there. Yes, it is. So, what? How does this game work? Okay, so basic rules. Um, you are you control one of the kingdoms. In the Hyborian Age. And they send you a map. And you don't need to know any anything about Hyboria or anything. They send you the rules. And you command your your court of people. And they all have their different stats. Some a lot of them are gonna actively rule the provinces that you that they control. And some of them and you'll say, I send this guy to go and uh, join the join the Imperial Army. I send this guy to go adventure. I send this guy to actively rule. I send this guy to spy on this other comp- this other kingdom. And, you see, and then you have the list of orders for your armies. I send this army to go raid this province. I send this army to go invade this province. And then you you get a whole report back at the uh, at the end of it. Wow, it's fun. So it's like complex risk. Kinda, yeah, yeah. So it's free to get the setup for the first time, and then you just choose your kingdom, and depending if it's a large, medium, or small kingdom, you pay different amounts. It's like up, like up to like nine dollars. It's stupid cheap. And again, these prices haven't changed in thirty years. So nine dollars a play, nine dollars a month, a turn, and a turn. turns are I I don't know. Just I'm not gonna look it up. Just go go look at it. It turns are like two to three weeks apart. Fiscally doable. Totally fiscally doable. And you can and you can ask for the addresses of like two or three other kingdoms each uh, each turn. And if you're not set to private, which you can easily do with a checkbox, then you can give people your address and they can write you. Hey, do you want to ally? Do you you know whatever? So it's neat. And you said that that's not the only one out there, Hyborian. No, um, this company also runs Duel Masters and then some other thing. And there's a bunch of other play by mail games. Some are like. Like spy stuff and crime things. The play by mail games, I, I went down a little rabbit hole the last couple of days. They do exist. I just know this one and I like Conan. So they even have a Forgotten Realms one, which I have no idea how to play that one. But, you know, that's. Mm, I'd, I'd, I'd rather just play D&D. So there will be that's more something. news to come. I, I, I look forward to hearing what's next on this. And, Kay, you say you're looking into it too? Yeah. 
I sent in my request for my three nations earlier this, well, late last week, I guess I should say. Did you wait? So did I'm you waiting send the request to get. Or did you just get the setup? Did you just ask for the setup? Uh, I went online and did the setup and, and request a packet. Oh, okay. So, I'll just take whatever nations. I don't even care. <laughs> okay. You going to join well, us there, uh, Bristo? What's up? I got to look into this. I'm, I have to admit my curiosity is peaked. Yeah. So you can join a friend's game. And, and I talked to the woman today and she said, yeah, we could put up to like six people in a friend's game. So, wow. But we got to be spaced apart so we can't collude. Right. Space uh, time wise or physically? Physically. Like, can't be in the same room. No, no ding dong. It's, <laughs> it's a play by mail game. You, there's, right. a, there's a map of provinces and you got to be a certain. Oh, level. okay. So you can't. I got you. Yeah. So game, I couldn't be neighbors with Barry. No, I don't think you could, man. You guys would kill each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. And here I am torn between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, woe the kingdom between me and Barry. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that you know what? I was curious about him back in the 80s, so that curiosity still lingers somewhere in the back of my head. So, yeah, I'm going to learn more about this. Yep. Somewhat fascinated. That's what I've done. Jeff, what'd you do? I spent the majority of the, I guess technically the weekend, but I started it on Thursday night, uh, watching Jupiter's Legacy. Aha! Uh, so how I, was that? As, as, uh, you know... Don't ruin it, but how was it? I, I, I'm trying to think how to discuss it spoiler-free. It's a superhero show with the most exposition I think I've seen in a long time, and little to no action. It's it's definitely feels like a series. It's an eight episode series. Uh, each episode's about forty five to fifty minutes long, except for the eighth episode, which is only thirty six minutes long, which I thought was a little odd. Possibility it, of continuation. Well, yeah, it, it it very much feels like everything was set up for season two, which is why everything happened at the pace that it happened. In fact, it, almost an excruciatingly slow pace during some of the episodes. I see Kirsten shaking his head. No, what, 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 uh, what, uh, oh, what am I saying I'm wrong? Not, I'm just not disagreeing with you, Jeff. I just, oh. um, I, I watched it and I had severe problems with it. I'm not familiar enough with the source material to know the differences between the two. So I, I would love to hear your take because I do believe you've read it, right? Yeah, I read it. As have I. And I watched the entire... I finished it last night. So is there a spoiler-free discussion we could have on this? Or is this yes. something we have to wait for a future uh, why episode? Don't we, why don't we go ahead and have a spoiler-free discussion and we can do a uh, spoiler discussion later. Okay. I, I assume Andy... I know you haven't seen it, Barry. Andy, I assume you didn't watch it. I have not seen it. I probably won't either. It's not. I, won't. Won't. Okay. I got a lot of stuff to catch up on before I get to that stuff. And I'm not hearing the the buzz I'm seeing online is not good about it. So I'll save myself my my limited time for the 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 best of the best and okay. some crap. All right. Well, then uh, why don't uh, Jeff, Kirsten, and I have a uh, spoiler discussion at the end of the show? Okay. You won't get rid of me that easy. I'm still going to hang around. By all means. Andy, did you read Jupiter's Legacy? I did not. Okay. How about you, Barry? Nope, I did not. Okay. I will say that the first volume of Jupiter's Legacy, the only one that I've read, does bite off a lot. Uh, so much so that you really can't do that in eight episodes. It has more time jumps than this show does. It's, it's weird because at certain moments it looks like a high-budget show. 
And in other moments, it looks like a really low budget show. It's it's really weird. The costumes are neat. The effects are good. Uh, when the fights do happen, they look great. But there is a strong emotional disconnect in this show that you don't really connect with anybody. So it aims at kind of dark and gritty in a way. Um, it, it definitely has some gore to it. But when heroes or villains die, you don't care. Oh, there, there isn't. There is a huge buildup of it, it takes place in two time periods. It takes place in the now and it takes place in the past. The stuff in the past, some of that stuff is really good, really neat, very pulpy. I like some of the stuff in the flashback stuff. I agree. Uh, it could be condensed a little bit. Sure. Um, but that had a real pulpy Indiana Jones-esque kind of feel to it. And when that stuff was happening, I was more involved. The modern stuff, there's a neat story it's trying to tell, but it's not emotionally telling it. Uh, the the whole idea behind the the show philosophically is a old school comic mentality versus the new school comic mentality. Uh, if you had uh, Ditko Kirby and Stan Lee writing a few of the older characters, and then you had uh, Mark Miller, Grant Morrison, and Alan Moore, uh, Ellis writing the newer characters and basically writing the comic at the same time with their own personal philosophies of how superheroes should work. That's a neat idea and it's in there. And, and that's as, as a mental experiment. I like that. However, they spend so much time telling the pulp story. There's no time to tell the modern story in the eight episodes that they've given themselves, and especially with some truncated episodes like the half-hour episode that it ends with. Right. Uh, do I think it's worthwhile? I do. I think it is worth a watch, uh, dis despite the bad wigs. Uh, it is uh, worth a watch. I felt like they spent so much time in the, the, in the early, the flashback story, if you will, that the end of that story felt very truncated it felt like there was so much buildup to getting to that point and then all of a sudden it was like a snap your fingers moment and then you know that's that particular part of the story is over i was like i literally felt like what the fuck it's like so so now we got from from the origin to this point and now everything else is back to the modern day i i want to know what happened at the end of that journey that starts in the the 19 late 20s, early 30s. It just, it felt like they spent so much time with the build-up to that, that particular moment in the story, and then suddenly, okay, well, we'll do one more quick scene in that, and then we're done with that. It just, I was like, what? From a pacing those, standpoint, it made no sense. Are those answers in the book? Those who read the book? Yes. Well, kind of. Okay. They've changed so much that it's... That's my problem. It doesn't That's matter. My um, the, uh, the, the origin thing that uh jeff and todd are talking about some of that is in the book but it's a lot shorter and it seems like they threw everything they could to expand on it and it was to me a a, a total waste my my big problem and and i can't discuss this in non-spoilery except to say that i think 
they totally missed the point of the comic series. Oh, wow. I'll get one quarter spoilery and say, we have seen Kingdom Come. <laughs> and Jupiter's legacy was not a version of Kingdom Come. Yes. Okay. All right. That's, that's how I'll say it. I'm eager to hear the spoiler stuff rather than actually watching the show. Yeah, I, I, I want to get to the spoiler stuff because I literally, I literally, Todd, you reread it recently, didn't you? No, didn't you I've, only you read it, I've only read it that first time that I got it from the library even. So oh, I, okay. Because I, I'm, I'm sitting here watching this going, did that happen? Was that yeah. there? Nope. Did, that, did they do that? Stephen DeKnight left under creative differences. And I sat there by episode three. I was like, I think I see the creative differences he left over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it this way that the finale, the kind of the big reveal of the finale happens in issue number two of Jupiter's Legacy. So they're wow. stretching this thing out? Not that oh, they're stretching oh, it out. Oh, oh. They're, well, they are, but they are incorporating things from other parts of the comics into this. Yeah. They, they did, right there. There's a bunch of there's two volumes of Jupiter's legacy. There's two volumes of Jupiter's circle. And then there's like one other one. And so they're pulling things from the other comics. They're not telling the comics as they are. And and frankly, they can't. Um, I don't think it would work if you took the storyboards of Jupiter's legacy and just filmed that you couldn't do it there. There's so much that happens between panels like Panel events will jump places in time so much in that book because there's so much story it's trying to tell and quickly. And here, there's so much story they're trying to kind of tell and slowly. Yeah. So do you think they did the best I, they could given the story? No. 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 All right. Well, I'm still going to watch it. but It's it a is. serviceable uh, superhero show. I think it just has some glaring faults that could have easily been corrected i don't know if it's pandemic related because they were in production during the pandemic i think both pre and a little post uh the beginning of the pandemic where they went into more restrictions so i don't know if that's part of the reason why or if it simply is an overarching uh story writing issue because i know it's a miller world production so I don't know how directly involved they were in the, the production process, whether it was just a licensing thing or what. Yeah. There is a massive Miller contract with Netflix. Right. In fact, in an interview this week, he revealed like four other things that, and how they're, they're progressing, like American Jesus and, and other stories of the Miller world. I meant okay. more like, is he hands-on with the production, or is he more of an EP role and, you know, it's just his name on the project and he just kind of glances at every now and says, OK, and signs off on stuff. I can't see him being involved very heavily un unless he was just like, ah, OK, you know, f fuck what I was trying to say in the comic book. You guys do your thing and I'll help. But otherwise, uh, um, I don't see that. So if you want to know how our how we feel about it truly, just wait for the spoiler talk at the end of the show or join us after you've seen it if you uh, want to save it a little bit. But uh, I will say I do think it's worth watching. Uh, there are some interesting story beats in there and the pulpy stuff is fun to watch. 
but be aware that it does have some dragging moments and some moments that make you go, hmm. Yeah. So, Andy, what'd you do this week? I was, uh, you know, because of our discussion last week, I blocked out three hours last night to watch both Paddington movies. Sat oh my myself God. down in front of Hulu. And <laughs> that I don't have, I don't have uh, robust enough Hulu to watch a Paddington movie. So I will eventually. Uh, I'll have to get them out of the library. So instead, I watched the only MCU movie I haven't seen yet, which was The Incredible Hulk. The, uh, ah. the yeah. And uh, it was, I, I've been told it was not necessary to watch it, and it wasn't, but I had a good time. It was not up to the standards of the rest of the MCU, with the possible exception of that uh, miserable Thor 2. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was definitely enjoyable, and there's a bunch of threads they left that they haven't gone back to. I mean, the, the, the sorry about the spoiler on the 2008 movie here, but the abomination is still floating around at the end of the movie, as is the leader. So, uh, I'm, I'm surprised those haven't popped up in some way. They probably have. They're probably on some computer screen somewhere if I was looking close in one of the movies. But, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I, again, I, I don't think it's necessary to watch it with the rest of the MC. I mean, the actual crossover is very minimal. It doesn't help that uh, Ed Norton kind of tried to take over the production, as he tends to do in a lot of movies that he's in. That's, that's and, what I heard. That's why he's on in the... Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. And uh, they there was a lot of tip of the hat to the movie, the TV show, rather, which the TV show was iconic and all for its time, but it's not good. It's a bad superhero remake of The Fugitive. I know, I know it's a heresy, but uh, it was not that great. Um, finished finish watching Stranger Things. Uh, I'm up through, I've watched through season three, and now I'm eagerly awaiting season four. I had a hard time getting into that one. For the first couple episodes, it was a lot of teen angst going on. I'm like, eh, I don't care about teen angst. But once it got into its own, when once it started building up and uh, got into its batshit crazy stuff, I mean, uh, they just went some weird places. Like, holy shit, we're going to do this? All right, fine. You know, I don't know how spoiler I can get on this. It is old, but it's not, I mean, I'm sure not everybody's seen it's it. old. Well, I mean... There is a giant conspiracy with a Russian base hidden under them with miles of tunnels. I'm like, we're really going to do this? All right, let's go for it. Let's buckle in, man. All right. I, I had the same problem wild. with season three, Andy. I got like a couple episodes in and I haven't gone back to it yet. So oh, still well, need to dude, do that. That's where I was. I mean, I, I mean, it's worth going through. Once you get past the teen angst of the first couple episodes, it does it does rev up. Just embrace the eighties love. Everything yeah, else, no, that's, and that is that is like what it is. I, yeah. I am the eighties love. Right. Well, then you should finish <laughs> watching something. Yeah. Played some Jackbox games. Uh, we need to do that again. The monkeys need to get another Jackbox game thing going on. That was fun. And uh, I, I'm I'm sorry here. I was trying to find it, but I can't. I watched a video this afternoon. They released the Wandavision uh, uh, outtakes or the deleted scenes. And I watch a commentary on it that uh, explained a lot of the weirdness of the show. Uh, I guess as originally written, uh, Stephen King was supposed to have a pretty major role in it. Uh, Stephen in King? Sorry. Doctor Strange. What the hell is Stephen King from? That's weird. <laughs> Maybe because they're both Stephen strange. Yes. 
Yeah, that's my vampire moment of the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, but Doctor Strange is supposed to be a big part of it. Uh, for instance, the commercials that are in their space were originally supposed to be being sent by Stephen Strange. <laughs> Make sure I get that right. Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange is supposed to be sending the commercials through. The commercials were sort of clues to Wanda what was going on to try and break her out of it. Because he immediately knew something. When Once she created the Hex world, uh, Doctor Strange immediately knew what was happening and tried to go in and fix it. But she created a thing he could not get into because of her chaos magic. And so they actually had Benedict Cumberbatch contracted to do this. And then the pandemic happened and they just rewrote it. So his stuff is sort of in there in the background. If you, And it makes the thing make a little more sense. Again, I'm, 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 I wish I could credit as to who it was, but somebody will find it. Um, I, I also Stephen like King. What's that? I also like Probably Kevin Stephen Feige's uh, statement about the may other the other reason they didn't have Cumberbatch do the cameo in the final episode, because they were talking about how, he's like, this was Wanda's story, I didn't want to have another male superhero come in to save the day. Right. And I thought and I that was pretty awesome. I think Wanda that's was not too. much of a superhero, or any yeah. kind of savior in this. If anything, she's kind of the villain. Well, and yes. this is me off as she suffered no ill consequences because of what she did. Oh, yeah. Maybe not yet. That's a point. But, I mean, she's going to be a big part of the uh, the, the Doctor Strange movie, apparently. Are they going to do House of M? Uh, they're going to do the Multiverse of Madness, which this video said that maybe she's going to be trying to track down her kids. And then she is a... The, the phrase Nexus means that she's the only uh, Scarlet Witch in multiple universes. That's that's something they read into it. I think might be a little off, but but uh, I'm very eager to see the next uh, Strange movie. And Barry, to your question, I think we already saw the MCU's version of House of M. I think that's as about as M as is going to get. Mm. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you can't do House of M without uh, mutants. You need, you need mutants, yeah. So it doesn't, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe they'll do House of M, but at the end she'll go need more mutants, and bam, that's how we get the X Men into the MCU. There you go, easy peasy. Right. Yeah. Also, Kirsten should never be in charge of the MCU. <laughs> Not fucking okay, man. I've also, I've solved uh, a lot of their problems in the past. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Also, see, uh, you, you didn't uh, you didn't remind me not to uh, do my uh huh. Yep. Mm hmm. Yep. Mm hmm. And I've mm -hmm. done it a couple times this show, so uh, I'm gonna watch myself from this point on. Yay! Thank you for giving me something to edit out. All right. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Mm hmm. Yep. Kirsten, what else did you do this week besides watch L Jupiter's Legacy? Uh, well, I actually didn't do too much because my back really started spiraling out of control and. So I had to just bite the bullet and take my muscle relaxers three times a day, which is the, the, the regimen you're supposed to take when you have a major spasm. And so I've been doped up on muscle relaxers for the past couple of days and um, uh, been doing a lot of just sleeping and stuff like that. Um, one geeky thing I did was I went on Amazon and ordered a couple of lumbar type cushions. I got a lumbar cushion for sitting up. I've got another one that's designed for when you're in bed. And do they, so do they have pictures of Deadpool on them. 
No, not very geeky then. <laughs> okay, this was what did you do geeky this week? Not what did you do to prepare for the grave? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> and let me tell you Ooh. something. There are plenty of geeky things you can do while you're just sitting there in bed. Yeah, for one, you should have been there for the Jackpot games. I would have loved drugged up person in the games. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I could barely concentrate. I saw you guys setting that up, and I was just like, uh. So, I mean, I have been reading. I've been reading on my Kindle. So, read an anthology called Empire of the Lost Empire of Soul, which was a, um, a sword and planet anthology. So, it's a whole bunch of different up-and-coming authors writing um, basically stories that resemble uh, some of Lee Brackett's Mars stories or um, John Carter of Mars stories, stuff like that. Sword and Planet or Planetary Romance, depending. And uh, so I did read that, and I, I, I'll recommend it. It's good. Uh, yeah. So and, and a couple of other, like the Heroic Fantasy Quarterly which is a uh, 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 fantasy fiction magazine also. That's um, online, right? Yes, yeah. I basically just ordered those through Kindle. So so I, t- I was tempted. I, I'm telling you, I was so mind-fucked by uh, Jupiter's Legacy that I was tempted to buy the, the Jupiter's Legacy collection on Kindle just so I could read the whole thing through again because... I can't find my, uh, I, I don't know why I can't possibly <laughs> figure out where the hell my copies of Jupiter's Legacy are. I'm, I'm, I haven't been able to find it. So I've just been like, okay, no, I, I, cause like I said before, there's stuff there that I was like, what, what, what? But yeah. And that, yeah. sir, and for the people who are listening in at home, because remember, it's an audio show, Kirsten. He just showed us, uh, he swung his camera and showed us this mountain of uh, boxes of, of comics. Now, I like to only buy trades so I can display them, spine out, and so I can easily find what I want. Yeah. That's yeah. me. One of, one of the things with my comics is I'm, I'm still in a transitory period because I don't know where to put them in this house. And so, and you know, I, the, this house is not, is not really a great setup for what I want in a house. I'm yeah, just sort of here because the rent is cheap. Yeah. The layout is more sort of the, uh, the swinging party pad downstairs. Yeah. So What's wrong with that. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, I haven't been able to find the damn, uh, issues. So, but, um, that's what I've done. That and, you know, just various uh, D&D things, watching uh, various uh, things on YouTube. I like the Dungeon Coach. This guy gives uh, some uh, nice house rule, homebrew rules. Drop and give me, Drop and give me 20 rolls. Uh, no. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he actually does a high-pitch kind of, uh, kind of high-energy delivery. Which a lot of these uh, people who talk about gaming on YouTube have a problem with. Um, there's one one group, two guys. They're called Nerd Archie, 
And these guys are actually they're they they've been playing for a long time and they got some good opinions and nice observations, but they are so so uh, I I don't even know what to call it. They're, oh, they're not you got a form- pair of Stephen Wrights. Um, kind of, sorta, uh, mm-hmm. a little mush-mouthed too. So it's it's sort of like you 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 know. It can it can be draining almost to watch, and then there are other guys who do these little performance skits, and like they may want to talk about initiative, so they'll do this five or six minute long funny heavy quotation marks skit <laughs> on a table screwing up or being confused by initiative to to let you know what they're going to deal with, and it's just like oh for fuck's sake just get to the point. And fucking monkey, yeah, Dungeon Craft with uh, Dan Masters. He's a professor, Dungeon Master, and Dungeon Coach are two that, bam, they get right to the point. Ten, fifteen minute long episodes, bam, they're done. So I really appreciate those. With so many web searches with the word dungeon in it, does it kind of skew your uh, your searches? I mean, not when you do D and D. D ampersand D or Dungeons and Dragons, Andy. You, you oh, write you just, the whole you thing just, out. You just, you'll get the. You yeah, no, I'm not yourself. stupid enough to write dungeon and no, then no. get a whole bunch <laughs> some, of BDSM some, crap. Some What's funny about that is on. when I was running ads, when I was running ads for uh, HoustonDungeonMaster.com, which is still up, <laughs> I'm just, just defunct right now. I had to this always like like twice a week go through and add negative keywords to it, so I'm not bidding on shit like. Dungeon, Houston, BDSM, leather, leather daddy, dominatrix. Because uh, there's so many, so many searches for that. Yeah, Harry, can I call you leather daddy? You can call me leather daddy. Yes. And by the <laughs> way, I challenge you for the next ever. Really, there's plenty of geeky things you could do while on drugs. I'm living proof of this. <laughs> there are <laughs> there's plenty of geeky things you can do while laying flat on your back. I point you to the cosplay prostitute industry for that. For starters, just for starters, yes. For starters, well, um, I'll see if I can rustle up some cosplay prostitutes, and you would be the prostitute in this case, Carson. I- I'm tired of that. I did the cosplay prostituting. At Star Trek The Experience, the MGM <laughs> brand. Uh, I, was- I think I'm just, I think I'm through with that stuff. Well, you know, you could win a couple bucks at cosplay prostitution at the uh, VlargCon, which, you know, mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a cosplay prostitute uh, panel. Are we? <laughs> Who's going to be on that panel? Uh, apparently just Commander K, so it's not going to be a very well-attended panel. What about well, so you? I, you you're a cosplay prostitute as well, Barry. Someone's got to judge that panel. Yeah, <laughs> uh, somebody else should judge the panel. You and Kirsten need to be on the panel oh, answering oh, questions. Everybody will be judging that panel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I really did besides watch all of Jupiter's Legacy is I, for some dumb reason, I took the time out and watched not all of because I couldn't stomach it. Marvel's Arena of Heroes that aired on ESPN this week. Oh, that God, was, that was uh, happening. What is yeah. that about that? What is that? 
That, okay. That was know. a NBA basketball game. Oh, God. Yes. Uh, the Golden State Warriors versus, I don't know. They played the regular game on ESPN, but on ESPN2, they, they showed the Marvel Arena of Heroes. The whole idea being that three players from either team were being watched by various members of the Avengers, and whoever got the most points in certain things, Marvel points, uh, got to join the Avengers at the end or whatever the thing is. Uh, all it was was a Marvel overlay of the game. The, it, it was Comic Sans at the bottom with comic colors, and the commentators were talking as if you know, Iron Man and uh, Doctor Strange and Ms. Marvel were there in attendance uh, judging these basketball players. Oh, man, they didn't even MSTK... MST3K, they didn't have like silhouettes of the Avengers on the bottom? No, occasionally they would put a digital version of like Iron Man sitting up on the scoreboard, which is a weird place for Iron Man to sit. <laughs> the thing that helped me as a non-sports watcher is that these three players on each team would have their names following them above their heads, floating uh, with the symbol of the Marvel character that was behind them. So I, I at least knew who was making a dunk for Marvel or whatever, or doing a free throw or, or whatever. Either way, uh, this, Stephen Strange's pick one, and I don't even remember who it was, but it didn't make the game any more enjoyable. Uh, in fact, I stopped watching it half through. They did it. They finally found a way to do it. They recreated Battle of the Network Stars. Oh, my God. <laughs> if only it were that interesting. If Ooh, only. That, kids. It such was an disdain. Odd that makes me so angry. There's such disdain for people who like Marvel stuff. It's like, look, kids, you can make sports and Marvel. It's just the same thing. See? Yay. Oh, my God. That makes me so angry. We wouldn't like you if you're angry? I don't like you now. <laughs> I saw the movie. I can see my fresh in my head. It wasn't far enough, is what it was. It people who are there tuning in for sports, there was probably too much Marvel for that. Uh, people that are tuning in for Marvel wasn't enough Marvel for that. There, there was a lot more. I think they could have done to make it more interesting. If that's what they're trying to do, bring non-sports fan or bring a Marvel aspect to this. Uh, either way, it didn't work. It. Uh, I'd be amazed if they did it again. So this is tried like to... when they made a G.I. Joe figure out of the refrigerator Perry in the 80s. No, that uh -huh. was a better move. That And Sergeant <laughs> Slaughter, too. Yeah that, Slaughter, yeah, that was a much better move. This would they have been tried. like, G.I. Joe is in the stands, and Duke really likes this player, but Scarlet really likes this player. Uh, oops, that player made a, made a point, so Scarlet's cheering them on, and they're closer to joining the Avengers. Uh, do that for two hours. Marvel has a great connecting storyline between the movies, and it gets a little serious sometimes, and they've just dumbed it down to the level of wrestling drama. There is such... Ugh, I'm so angry. I, I can't. I can't even. <laughs> so, yeah, for those that were curious um, and missed it, um, probably for the best.
there was one commentator there. I can't remember her name, but she runs the uh, the official Marvel podcast. So she was doing her darndest to try to put this veneer of Marvel fiction over everything. Oh uh, the other two oh sports guys, <laughs> they, I, I can't remember who tweeted this at me, so I, I apologize, whoever it was. But they they sounded like MCs on like the Macy's Day Parade. Oh. Judy Stevens or Santa Amata? I'm a not. What? I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> Are you I'm just, a stroke? I just looked up the women, that, the people that run the uh, the uh, Marvel podcast. I don't listen to the Marvel podcast, so I don't know who it is. Okay, and whoever heard. it is, they went home and they took a hot shower and they just cried in it. Mm, Soakwood shower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not worthwhile. Uh, am I glad I watched it? No. It was a waste of time. <laughs> No, well, you did get one piece of enjoyment out of it. You got to make me angry. What was the other? <laughs> what was the other story in the uh, news we don't give a shit about that we're kind of curious about? Are you what? There was Maybe? another one that was similar that we we were compared this to. There was something that I... yes, that was with uh, the MMA fighters in space. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, that hasn't happened. Now, yet. That's that'll interesting. Never, that'll never. I can happen. get behind that. Zero G fighting. You're, it's going to be interesting to see. How that works out. You know, once we finally get to space and they're like, going to space is no big deal. There's going to be zero-G fights. There's going to be zero-G, like, ballet shit, you know, dancing. That's exactly what I said. It's going to be zero-G porn. Yes. (laughs) That's what started. Because John Stagliano gets gets enough money, he'll uh, he'll get something going in on on the... uh, On the Vomit Comet? uh, well, well, well. That's that's certainly a niche on the intercourse <laughs> station. The you know what I'm there. talking about, right? The plane that goes up and down, and up yeah. and down, up and down. Yeah. But that's Ooh. thirty seconds at a time. I mean, that's good for you in porn, <laughs> Barry. <laughs> Some, of need a... <laughs> Some of us are going to need a few more uh, ups and downs there. <laughs> Let's hit a little mail before we continue on. Uh, first piece of mail is from Cthulhu Collector. It's actually a two-parter. Uh, first off, he says, uh, you're missing a big point about midichlorians. Of course, they are not real. They were talked about by Qui-Gon Jinn or Q. They are just a baseless story spread by an overzealous member of a group of religious zealots. Sounds rather familiar to what's going on now. <laughs> so wow. Qui-Gon Jinn, Q. Nice, nice connection yeah. there. That's Step one of the that's one of the cleanest uh, uh, retcons ever. Yeah. Wow, that's a big head. <laughs> that's what she said. And the second part uh, is: I find the absence of Doctor Vlarg the week after his epic defeat in pinball to be very troubling. <laughs> he talks such he talks such a big game, then is a no show when shown to be all talk. He was crying in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) Only for like a minute. This is Torgo. Look, okay, so I know that I have the memory of a goldfish. I damaged my brain in my 20s. And yes, I just didn't listen to the rules. I thought it was weird, and I I didn't listen. So I take full responsibility (laughs) for that. But that does not reflect my ability to play pinball. That just reflects my inability to listen. Now, isn't that part of playing the game? Isn't that no. Part of the game? No. You don't have to listen to play pinball. 
did could Tommy hear anything when he played that silver <laughs> ball? No. Shut let up. Me, let me think now. No, 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 no. no he couldn't. Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. That deaf, dumb, blind kid. Okay, so we Nothing need to. Really... Yep, he plays to... a mean pinball. There you go. We need to set up a new tournament. Yes, and more often. So, again, I will do the same offer that I gave you last time, Barry. What table would you like it to be? I don't know the tables off the top of my head, but I would pick one right now, just at random, if I could. You know and what? has this as this sad I... defeat drilled into your head the rules of the game? Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> I, doubt it. I, I doubt can't. It. I can't start the game right now because it's on this computer. It'll fuck everything up. But I would, and I would just pick one at random. So you will choose will one choose... at random, and yes. I will buy it. I don't care. It will be a Williams table. Perfect. There it go. will have the same rules, Barry. You have three games, which means if you quit in the middle of it and start a new game, that's one of your games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise known as a Barry conundrum. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Fuck that table you chose, because that thing is tough. I told you, man, that is a, a take-no-prisoners table. That is a mm-hmm. mean, mean table. Yeah. All right, so Shock Monkeys, there will be another pinball tournament very soon. And it will be a Williams table. It won't be Whitewater. We've already done that one. It's, Good. it's cruel and unusual. So it won't be as hard, but it won't be an easier table out there either. So we'll put pick something in the middle. Is Probably some, maybe uh, you know what? I'll go ahead and call it now. Uh, oh. We will do Funhouse. Funhouse. It's a, it's a classic Williams table. It's not overly hard, but also not easy. So Funhouse. What do we get for three, winning? Three uh, bragging rights. You get three tries, and that's Wait. it. Why do you care? <laughs> I'll tell you what. If I don't win, the winner gets a free email address, not a forward, a proper email address at vanillaslutslovechocolatedick.com. Oh, wow. Can't wait. <laughs> what a prize. I know. Well, it's something free I have to give away. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's time to move on and do some news. Let's do some news. We don't. Give a shit about I wanted to be upset, but that was so cute. <laughs> it's Kawhi. Alrighty. Uh, you know what? Before we continue with news you don't give a shit about, let's do one more mail. Okay. And I'll let you guess who this is from. It starts, hey fuckers. Jake! <laughs> So I was just wondering, what's the story with the business license? It's been a, a while since we've had an update. <laughs> now, I've had a pretty rough week at work, so I need some entertainment. So I do by hereby throw my name into the hat for bad impressions for 80s Jeff. I would like to have him give my favorite soliloquy by Skeletor from Masters of the Universe. You know, oh, that boy. lovely film I sent you from the Shock Monkey Christmas Exchange. You refused to see, Todd. But. You haven't seen it? He wants it performed perfectly by the great Frank Langella. <laughs> but as Christopher Walken. Oh, boy. Oh, oh fun. 
Uh, I have sent Jeff the script. Jeff, go ahead and uh, open up that link I sent you. All right, opening it now. <laughs> Give the Skeletor script, but as Christopher Walken. Okay. People of Eternia, I stand before the great eye of the galaxy. Chosen by destiny, by the powers of Grayskull, this inevitable moment will transpire before your eyes, even as he, man, himself, bears witness to it. <laughs> now, I, Skeletor, am master of the universe. Yes, yes, I feel it, the power, it fills me. Yes, I feel the power of the universe within me. I am, I am a part of the cosmos. The power flows, flows through me. <laughs> of what consequence are you now? This planet, these people, they are nothing to me. The universe is power, real, unstoppable power. And I am that force. I am that power. Kneel before your master. Fool, you are no longer my equal. I am more than a man. More than life. I am a god. God, it keeps going. Now, <laughs> you will kneel. Kneel. There we go. I hope yeah, that's, that's my bad Chris Walken. That's not oh, one of my, all right. I hope that's not one of my best and, ones. <laughs> I hope this cold, uncomfortable power sword up my ass for three years. <laughs> you know what there there was a, a a couple of moments a couple of moments on that where where christopher walken sword and tried to break through through you yeah i chris walken's one i've always had trouble with so he picked a good one for me to to fail at miserably because uh yeah i i kept as trying to work as... in a, a well guess what i got a fever and the only prescription is for more power See, Jake didn't request that of you to embarrass you. Jake requested that of you to make us suffer through it. Right? As far Stop, as your, you're both as, right. As far as your Christopher Walken impression goes, great Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I was thinking of Shatner. Shatner I can do a little better. Chris Walken I've always had struggles with. I just can't quite get his intonations down. There were times, oh, sorry, Star Trek story. There were times at Star Trek The Experience, I was so bored, I would, I would do Vlarg as Christopher Walken for guests, and they wouldn't even notice. Wow. <laughs> Can we hear a little of that? Nope. <laughs> Contribute right. to the Patreon that doesn't exist yet, and perhaps you will. <laughs> That's right. See, why do something for free when you can get some scratch for it? Yep. So he ends the mail. Keep up the good work, fuckers. Jake. P.S. Seriously, Todd, it's been two years. Watched Masters of the Universe already. Uh, unfortunately, my uh, my disc collection is completely packed up as we are uh, remodeling the condo. So uh, until I get that back, I will not be able to watch that, Jake. But I will try to make it quick on the list once it returns. How convenient. I think you should at least once a week watch something in your extended back catalog of shit that you're supposed to be watching or reading. But there's all this new stuff like uh, Jupiter's Legacy. Nope. Old stuff. Gotta watch some old uh, stuff to pay for the new stuff karmically. Not that I believe in karma, <laughs> but you get the idea. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Bastard of the Universe is on Hulu. 
Although it's probably, no. on, Hulu, probably on Hulu the same <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you dick. Very well played. Also on Amazon Prime. And if, oh, is it? See, and if you want okay. to see it in the worst possible way, it's on Tubi. <laughs> Maybe I'll check it out on Prime then. All right. Good to know. Thank you, Andy. He's Dick. News <laughs> <laughs> you don't give a shit about. Legendary Pictures is producing a reimagining of the Faces of Death franchise. What? With with Isa Mazay and Daniel Goldhaber set to write and direct. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. You can get that free on, on Fail. The internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, this is the nation fucked. I remember Faces of Death from like the 80s going into the video store going, oh, mom, let's get that. She's like, no, we're not getting that. <laughs> and then uh, there was always that friend we had. Everyone had this friend who had like questionable parents who let him do anything. He got faces <laughs> of death, and we watched all that shit, and it was brutal. Now, and between then and now, we've been through the era of Rotten.com. So all of us have seen that shit, and we're totally desensitized to it. What can they show us now? I can watch a monkey get killed anytime on YouTube. Yeah. I can watch <laughs> people getting killed right now if I wanted to. What are they going to show us? Uh, Mazay and Goldhabers, the team behind 2018 psychological thriller Cam, which was inspired by Mazay's experience as a cam girl. The original Faces of Death was released in 1978 and was meant to be a fake documentary. It had, quote, the conceit of a pathologist exploring gruesome ways to die via footage purposely, uh, purposely culled from around the world. In reality, most of the death scenes were staged and faked, and no matter, the movie had its producer's desired effect. Outrage, revulsion, banning, although not in 52 countries, as hyped by the film's makers, and of course, a money-making hit that spawned sequels and imitators, unquote. Uh, the original movie was written and directed by John Allen Schwartz, and he used multiple pseudonyms for several crew jobs on the movie. The film spawned several sequels, including Faces of Death 2 in 81, 3 in 85, a Worst of Faces of Death in 87, 4 in 90, 5 in 95, and 6 in 1996. The first movie was released theatrically, but when it hit video stores in the 1980s, it launched into the cult stratosphere. It had a skull on the cover and the banned in 40-plus countries label at the top. That's MPI, what sold it for me. When Face of Death was released theatrically, did it go up for any awards? Did it win any Oscars? I believe it did, yes. All of them. Yes, Andy. <laughs> dumb shit. MPI, an Illinois-based company, has kept the original films in circulation for the past 30 years. The new film revolves around, quote, a female moderator of a YouTube-like website whose job is to weed out offensive and violent content who herself is recovering from a serious trauma that stumbles across a group that is recreating the murders from the original film. But in the story primed for the digital age and the age of online misinformation, the question faced is, are the murders real or fake? Unquote. I, I don't saw want to be an arm before. It was called 8mm. It was starring Nicolas Cage, and it wasn't bad. And I don't want to so be an armchair psychologist, but I think that's a terrible job for her to take. Yeah, under the circumstances. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Probably. And it's so, it's like, um, it's meta. It's referencing itself. 
which is okay. I can dig that. That's cool. It's like the successive, with the Human Centipede movies. You know, they're all referencing themselves. Which the is Human neat. Centipede Ouroboros? Sure. It's a Why snake not? eating a snake eating its own tail. Snake eating its own tail. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> this is this referencing itself, which is okay. I can get behind that. But in the end, it's a clip show. I don't know. I just want to see what what's going to shock people nowadays. Well, that's just it. This isn't Faces of Death as we knew it. Yeah. This is a movie. This mm. isn't going to shock anything. It's just a metafictional thingy. Yeah, back in the day, people thought, oh, my God, it's a snuff film. No, it's not a snuff film. Yeah. Well, you've put it in the right place. I don't give a shit about this at all. <laughs> Side note. I was once at the Double Down, and I met a girl who made fake snuff films. True story. Duly wow. noted. I right. like the Double Down. Anyway, sorry. If I was at the Double Down and had a maker of a real snuff films, I'd claim I made fake ones, too. News you don't give a shit about. Mm. Next up in Sony's patent palooza. Oh, God. IGN noticed a patent over at Patent Scope for a system that Sony may be exploring that would connect gamers to experts to help progress in games. In essence, when you get frustrated with the game, you could connect to the system and an expert, quote unquote, will help. Uh, based on the patent, it appears the expert can help simply by talking players through the difficulty, or things can get more hands on as, as it appears the expert can take over the control of the game. Qualifications for becoming an expert is very vague. Uh, per the patent information on patent scope, an expert is generally a player who has registered and or qualified as an expert. In one the implementation... The expert isn't like an AI that plays just like you so you can commit murders, right? That would, that's the old one. This is another patent. All right. In in one implementation, any player can register as an expert after at least playing a portion of the corresponding game application. In another implementation, a player can only register as an expert after reaching a qualification standard. For example, the qualification may be given to a player that is an expert at other games, or when a player has played the subject gaming application with high skill, or when a player achieves a certain task or quest identified as being a qualification standard. Other qualification methods are supported, unquote. And also, there's no indicator if it's a thing where people will volunteer or if Sony will actually hire and pay people to be the experts. You know when they start hiring, because I, I have a son that needs something. All right. <laughs> they are never going to hire people. They're always going to say, hey, you can volunteer to do this, and you'll get, like, badges and perks and stuff. That's how it's going to be. And let me tell you, they used to do this already with nintendo there used to be a line you could physically call and get someone and they could walk you through games this was already done in the 80s how are they patenting this god they Aaron, walk you through... chime in on this please well it sounds like they're walking through the games and they're taking over your controller mm. that's different that's more like hey let me share your screen and take your control which i do all the time for clients when i'm walking them through setting up like Google or Facebook pay-per-click stuff. Well, we've been doing that for years with uh, uh, people just taking over your screen to 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 do what they got to do. You know, that's that's no big. How can you patent that? That was our question on the original thing. Just the, the vagueness of these patents and how they uh, how they get away with such 
such vagueness. I hate uh, that. Shit. I still don't understand it. And like that original Nintendo helpline, will it cost four dollars a minute? Is that right. what it costs? I forgot that. I no, it called... only no, it only costs three dollars a minute. Oh my god! See, I never called that line. I had like a little book, like a little notebook that I would write down all my codes and all my stuff for Nintendo games, so I wouldn't have to call that line. Because if my parents found that on the bill, oh boy! There uh. was one time that I called that line. <laughs> and I got mm. permission from my parents, because it said so in the commercial, get permission before calling. And so my mother made a deal with me that, uh, sure, you could call the line, but I would have to pay that particular bill. Uh, so I called them in reference to getting past some areas in the second Le- Legend of Zelda game. Oh, that was a tough one. Yeah. And I believe that ended up being a $40 phone call. Oh, fuck oh you. my God. Oh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I had to pay my mother back for it. It was a solid lesson learned. And yeah. I never called a 1-900 number ever again. Was it worth wow. it? No. Nope. Uh, that's a different question than did it help? Yes, it did help. They were able to explain how to get past the area I was having trouble with. Was it worth it? No. You could have I bought a whole other game. Could, I don't understand how this could possibly work now. When I have a problem with something, I'll just pause the game and I'll Google it. And I'll find the answer myself. Uh, is this just for people who are too lazy to type Google on their phone? If you have a problem with any video game, there is a YouTube walkthrough for whatever you need. I was yeah. just going to say that. Like, every time I've gotten, like, super stuck and there's, like, some hidden tchotchke that I didn't find, I watch the, uh, a YouTube clip of the level I'm on and be like, oh, I walked right past that, so i got to go back here and find this stupid tchotchke. So mm-hmm. I can move forward. Again, this isn't figuring out how to how it is or where the tchotchke is. This is somebody doing it for you, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, okay. it's according to this, it's both. The as it says, the expert can help by talking the player through the difficulty, or they can do it hands-on. You know what it is? It's ease of use. It's it's people with disposable income, and they're taking advantage of that. Which you know what? Hey, good on them. So I, I think they're they're exploiting a niche that has yet to be exploited. So good for them. It's not for me, you know, but good for them. And those you don't give a shit about Taco Bell is oh. officially entering the board game scene with the release of Taco Bell Party Pack card game later this year. What? The company producing this game, Ravensburger, is also responsible for the family board company. Uh, they also created the Jaws board game, Horrified, and Labyrinth, amongst many, many others. According to Board Game Geek, players of the card game collect a variety of Taco Bell menu items in order to satisfy a crew of hungry Taco Bell fans. Players must satisfy the specific cravings of each member of their crew in order to earn Crave Chips, tokens that resemble tortilla chips, and can also use sauce cards to gather extra food items. I must have this. The player with the most points is declared the winner. Taco Bell Party Pack Game is intended to be a quick game played amongst two to six players, lasting only 20 minutes, and is expected to be released sometime in June 2021. I will be playing that. I may not give a shit about this, but I think they're successful that I'm already hungry and craving Taco Bell. (laughs) Yeah. Gross. 
<laughs> so basically, uh, feed a bunch of stoners. Okay, I I would play this game. I am kind of reminded of the McDonald's board game that was le- released in the seventies. Oh yeah, you yes, had uh, that one right in your yes. garage for a while. Yes, uh, yeah, we had it. Uh, you we had everything McDonald's. And the idea is you go around the board fulfilling menu items on the cards that you had. You had certain cards that you needed to land and get these particular items to fulfill the orders of, of the people. It's not a bad game. Sound, this sounds like an easier version of that. Uh, less board, more card. Is there a video show somewhere where people play questionable board games? Uh, yes. Well, yes and no. There's... There is, I can't remember his name right now, but this guy who goes around and does videos on not the newer kind of games, but the older kind of forgotten style ones that, you know, would Mattel would put out and uh, ones like this McDonald's game and neat. Don't wake up daddy and things like that. Oh my God. I knew that game. If you look (laughs) for the McDonald's board game, you'll find this guy pretty quick. Don't That's wake awesome. up, Daddy. That sounds like a channel on Pornhub. Mm. <laughs> Can it be both? And that brings us to Weekend Geek. Yay! <laughs> G4 and Wizards of the Coast have announced that they partnered to present the 2021 edition of D&D Live, a two-day streaming event featuring star-studded Dungeons & Dragons games and more this July. The event will air on all of GeForce platforms and all of Dungeons & Dragons platforms simultaneously. This year's D&D Live event will be held July 16th and 17th and feature four separate games, each with an expert DM and a cast of still-to-be-announced stars. In between the games themselves, viewers will also be able to tune in for giveaways, a Dungeon Master Roundtable, product announcements, interviews, and more. Quote, As we continue to interact with our audience leading up to the launch of the network, one of the most resounding requests was for table gaming content, says Kevin Sabe, the head of content for G4. Uh, Continuing, this partnership reinforces our focus on authentic gaming content that will entertain existing D&D fans and those new to the world of tabletop as well. The network has also partnered with Wizards of the Coast for a limited series set to air later this year, which will feature four different Dungeons & Dragons campaigns starring a mix of G4 talent, veteran D&D players, and celebrities. G4 is still planning on launching as a channel, like an actual television channel once again. So this would be a first, having D&D content on regular channels versus YouTube. Yeah, I was going to say, they they have been putting out new content on their YouTube channel, so cool. Where's the Houston Dungeon Master? He should be doing this. No, no, no. you're going to open that can of worms? All right, can open. Here we go. All right, so first off, there's lots of channels, and by channels, I barely mean channels. I mean, like, those weird half-assed channels that you see when you're flipping through like uh, the, the 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 weird like uh, sorry like Tubi. There was a a thing that you could get orange or blue, and you can get a bunch of channels, and it's like slick, sling sling. Thank you. Sorry. When you're flipping through Sling TV, which I used to have, there was always these weird channels, and some of them had like D and D Live, and it was cringy as fuck. Um, and it was un it was not entertaining whatsoever. They would take any type of uh, D&D game to put it on there just to have content. 
Well, now it's getting a little more where they have a little more production value. But in the end, it's still watching other people play shit. And I can't do it with D&D. I can't do it. I won't do it. Like, okay, I understand people who enjoy football and basketball and shit. Okay, it's great. It, it's a fun game, whatever. It's fun to play, but it's hard to get all the people together to play a basketball game and get out. It's very physical. D&D, it's right there. It's right in front of you. All you got to do is go and grab like three or four friends and go play D&D. You can play it in your own house. You don't have to be even be fit. Christ knows we don't have to be fit to play D&D. But I, I can't watch it, and I have no desire to watch it on G4. I and wasn't suggesting you watch I was suggesting you be one of the dungeon masters. I could do that, but I don't want to do that. He because... he's had bad experience with uh, doing DMing for quote unquote celebs. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was a good experience. That was a lot of fun. Um, would I do it all the time, every 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 week like that? No, fuck no. But I, 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 it's, it's so much better live. There is no, there was, there will never be an experience like you can have live. Uh, replicated uh, online. It, it's it, there's no comparison whatsoever, um, and that's why I'm not running live games right now on online. There is a system where you can run them online. It's called StartPlaying.Games. If you like online games, then by all means go there and do that. That's for you. For me personally, just me, I don't like it. It's not for me. I can't do it. I run live only because I'm old school. You poke the bear, dude. Sorry. <laughs> it's your thing. You did it. No, not my thing. But I understand what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. I want somebody All else right. poke bears. I will I will die on that hill. That's just my thing. I mean, you're if you like it, fucking do it. There's plenty out there. It's all over the place, but I just can't. They do take uh, quite a bit of time. I will say that. Uh, this week we lost actor and former NFL player Frank McRae. Uh, he was 80 years old. McRae's first credited role was in the 1973 TV movie Snatched. He went on to become a character actor in several big-budgeted films. On the genre front, he's best known for his role in the 1989 James Bond movie License to Kill, where he played Sharky, a fisherman who was good friends with Bond and ended up paying the price for it. Acting against Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1993's Last Action Hero, McRae played the exasperated police captain Lieutenant Decker, who spends most of his time screaming at Schwarzenegger's action hero parody, Jack Slater. Oh, that guy! Yep. Yes. Aww. He was cool. Yep. And in Batteries Not Included, a family sci-fi film about a group of small alien machines who help save an apartment building under threat of redevelopment, McRae oh, yeah. played Harry Noble, a former boxer who lived in the building, who had, love, had a love of machinery. Starring Don Amici. Yes. McRae also appeared in several other films, including 48 Hours, Red Dawn, Hard Times, National Lampoon's Vacation, Loaded Weapon, and Used Cars. Man's got around. Mm. Yeah. All those films I like. So we honor Frank McRae. <laughs> he was the iconic, uh, angry police captain. <laughs> yeah. Of the 80s. 48 Hours, uh, he, he, he did a, a similar character to... Uh, uh, in Last Action Hero. And Last Action Hero was just hilarious. The way Damn, he I played. your gun and your badge. I loved Last Action Hero. I, I thought it was 
critically panned for all the wrong reasons. The, I yes. think the movie knew what it was, but the critics didn't know what the movie was. So if you went into it expecting your normal Schwarzenegger action pick and not a satire of the typical Schwarzenegger action pick, yeah, you had an issue with it. The audience and the critics, I think, at that time, were just they were just not ready for Arnold to nod and wink at the screen, which is so weird to think about. But I honestly feel that was the problem. I, I loved how he had no problem making fun of himself and making yeah. fun of the very things that made him this big action yeah. star. And he had that kind of self-referential humor and played it so well in both roles. Mm-hmm. Last Action Hero made me really appreciate Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. It it, it really is a it really is a um, an undeservedly uh, overlooked movie. Kids, that's your homework. Go watch Last Action Hero and appreciate the films of yesteryear. It's on Hulu. Why don't you that's... guys give out homework? And Amazon Prime too. Every week you should be giving out homework. There's plenty of. There's going to come a time. I, I, I predict this. There's going to come a time in the next couple of years, someone's going to be listening to this show and be like, what's the Three Amigos? Mm. And my brain will explode. Three Amigos, though, is one that's fairly timeless with the story because of the, the time period it's set in. Yes, and okay, the humor does translate well. But <laughs> I understand that. But there's going to be some little shit that doesn't get it and doesn't care. And you need to school him and he needs homework. You need to give out homework, and today's homework is to watch Last Action Hero. Dear homework monkeys is to watch whatever you enjoy watching. There you go. Last Action Hero. You enjoy (laughs) it. Bill Nye will host and executive produce what? We're skipping the other one? What other one? Tawny Katane. What about Tawny Katane? She She passed away. (gasps) Really? On Sunday, I believe, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, I you understand. I only knew her from the White Snake videos. Yeah, and that's why I didn't put her on the. On the... <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Okay, her, Hercules. <laughs> she was in some of the Hercules episodes. She was in the Perils of Gwendolyn. She yeah. She had a lot more roles than the White Snake video, but that's the what the one role she's most known for. Yeah. In fact, she was yeah. in the WKRP reboot, if I remember correctly. They had a yeah. reboot. Yeah, it was in the the nineties. There you go. <laughs> all right well we miss her yes well, that's a moment for us okay all right bill nye will host and executive produce the end is nigh a tv series that will see him venture into large-scale global disasters both natural and unnatural as he uses science to demystify them and teaches audiences how they can survive mitigate and even prevent them Episodes will focus on all manners of topics from more recent and pressing subjects like viruses and climate change to wide scale catastrophes like authoritarianism and chemical warfare and more natural threats like asteroids and volcanoes. Nye will highlight the reality of each subject while also providing viewers with a sense of hope as they suggest scientifically informed ways forward. The End is Nigh is produced by Universal Television Alternative Studio and UCP, as well as Seth MacFarlane's Fuzzy Door. And Brandon Braga will show run and executive produce the series, as well as direct all episodes. I'm, <laughs> That's I'm a... so glad that you have had the hope part, because otherwise 
up until that point, I was like, oh, God, smart <laughs> people told me I'm going to die. Ah! <laughs> I just like watching Kay's face all bunch up when I said Bron and Braga. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bron and Braga was involved in the, uh, you know, the, um, the, the newer uh, Seth MacFarlane produced uh, Cosmos. So he's not all bad when it comes to producing. <laughs> no, he's going to be uh, directing all episodes as well. He directed a few of the Cosmos, too, if I remember correctly. Yes. Out of that whole piece, the happiest thing I got of it was Todd invented a new word. Did I? Wild scale. <laughs> I How love that it. Mean? That's how I live it, my life. That, 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 wasn't what wild do you mean? Scale what does that mean, Barry? It's, 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 it's wild scale. What does it mean? The, uh, new mutants. That, that's beyond wide scale. That's beyond. That's beyond a uh, 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 wild. It's wild scale. Thanks. That is that's that is real funny. wild stuff. No, he was in a mojo verse. That's where he was. I'm sorry. Thanks, Andy. That helped. Yes, yeah, so, uh, the uh, wild scale. He sounds like he sounds like a uh, he sounds like a '90s uh, X Men character. Kind of does. Yeah, he does actually. Never mind X Men. I got an image, just the, you know, drawn with the 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 two backwards feet. Talking about Rob Liefeld and the giant thighs <laughs> and the pockets. So many pockets. So many, so many satchels. So many pouches. Yeah, pouches. Yeah. Pouches. The Walt Disney Imagineering Research and Development Team continues to innovate in their animatronic and robotics division. They have now succeeded in creating a free-roaming, walking baby Groot robot. Jesus. Not only can the robot walk, but it can also gesture and emote according to whatever is needed at the time. From their press release, Walt Disney Imagineering Research and Development is developing a small-scale, free-roaming robotic actor that can take on the role of our similarly-sized Disney characters. Its tightly integrated design provides over 50 degrees of freedom in a compact platform that can walk, gesture, and emote in style. Artists can quickly bring robotic characters to life with expressive motions and interactive behaviors. There are no immediate plans for use in the Disney parks. However, a prototype in the form of Groot is being used to test unique traits, gates, and capabilities, unquote. This is like a, a, a marionette kind of thing where like, somebody's in a control no, suit no, no. It. it's a robot that, that walks on its own i saw this video and right, right, how is it controlled it's not it's it's programmed it's not like uh oh. motion capture it's literally okay. um puppeteered you know with the controls and then it's allowed to basically function on its own with some supervision this is how but, skynet starts the, yeah the video is on youtube andy you should look it up but uh it started off um uh, they show it the uh, the various iterations of the evolution of the platform as they develop it. It's essentially it's a proof of concept. It's like this is what we have the capability to do now and could integrate into the parks, and it's it's mind boggling. It is mind boggling, but you're not going to see it in the parks unless it's like behind lots of steel cages because all it takes <laughs> is for them to just let that thing loose in the park, and then Florida man comes along and punts that motherfucker into a into a lake or something, 
Yeah, they, you well, know, sure. if they let it free roam, it would have to be supervised, like they did with the the the, the freestanding Muppet animatronic that would wander around near the uh, the Muppet 3D stage in Disney World, or uh, well, like at Galaxy's Edge, where they have R2D2 going around. There are people accompanying it to make sure that people don't run up and hug the the droid or well, or try to, to kick it fair, over and do stuff. R two D two could take a beating a little bit. It's a little more solid than the group that's standing on its own two legs. I've seen this thing. There's no way it's gonna be in parks anytime soon. But no. it looks amazing. But I could see them also doing small scale figures like uh uh Pinocchio, like uh any any of the seven dwarves instead of making them the six feet tall ones that they are now. They uh, Disney Imagineers, have they uh have they put Trump in the Hall of Presidents yet? Yeah, uh, they did it, when he yes. became president. I think they've oh, they've put him off to the side too now as well. Every president gets one, regardless. I, well, I, yeah, I know that. I just didn't know when. I just didn't know when it happened. And he did talk when they first put him in, and then they made him stop talking pretty quickly. Yeah, somewhere there's a picture of Barry and I standing next to the sign announcing it <laughs> from from our trip to Disney World. <laughs> yep. We were just like, oh, no, because the, the Hall of Presidents was closed because of it. Yep. And I actually saw it later on. He he does, like, say a couple words, but, you know, it's intelligible. So it's clearly not him. <laughs> um, he didn't say much. They just kind of downplayed it a little bit, which is good. Okay. And and now with this this whole Groot thing, they could get a uh, Monica Lewinsky bot. No, oh, Jesus, uh, go across the stage and uh, you want to dig harder just... for that joke? Jesus Christ! It can't all be Andy, guys. Yeah, people thank thank the world for that. And thank the world for red light, green light. Hey. All right, I bring this meeting of Dunright Productions to order. We've got four more pitches here, uh, but each one of you only gets one green light. Only we, one! I'm going to give you the pitch. We're going to discuss it, then move on to the next one, and at the end, you'll give you green lights, all right? It'll be a cold day in hell when an actor tells Harry Flugelman what to do. You really want people to watch that movie. All right. I absolutely right. do. There can be only one. <laughs> oh, my God. One of these may be fake. Here are your pitches. They're going to be Hello Tomorrow, Powder Mage, The Future is Yours, and The Con Life. And we are going to start with Hello Tomorrow. Apple TV Plus has a new show in development called Hello Tomorrow, a dramedy starring Billy Crudup. He played Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen. According to the press release, Hello Tomorrow is set in a retro future world and focuses on a group of salespeople who sell timeshares on the moon. Crudup will play Jack, a man of, quote, great talent and ambition whose unshakable faith in a brighter tomorrow inspires his co-workers, revitalizes his desperate customers, but threatens to leave him dangerously lost in the very dream that sustains him, unquote. The series was written and created by Amit Bala and Lucas Jansen. And Jonathan Entwistle, who di directed The End of the Fucking World, is directing the series. That's what we have for Hello Tomorrow. What do you think? 
Mad Men on the Moon. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an interesting log way for it. Yeah. Timeshares on the room on the moon. I, I mm. yeah. Is that it? Is that all we you'd got? Get, you'd get hooked into it, Barry. Eh. <laughs> oh! <laughs> wow! Suck a dick. Just tell him it comes with a lordship. He's all over it. Oh, <laughs> lordship! I'm down. Let's do it. Lord of the moon. <laughs> Woo! How dare you? You are addressing a lord of Sealand. That that wasn't even like your one for the month. That was like your one for the first half of the year. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about this one. <laughs> I don't have enough information. All I have is that they're going to sell timeshares on the moon. That's really all I got out of that. Retro future. The fuck does that mean? Uh, it, it'll look like the sixties. It'll look like Earth Girls are easy. Okay, because they are. <laughs> All right. Next up, we'll do uh, Powder Mage. Brian McClellan's fantasy series of Powder Mage novels is being developed for television by Utopia Falls showrunner jo- Joseph Balizo. He'll also write the pilot episode of the hour-long drama. Published between 2013 and 2015, the Powder Mage trilogy takes place in a fictional nine nations, a, quote, world in which magic collides with 18th century technology against the backdrop of political and social revolution. At the heart of the story are Powder Mages, unique individuals who gain magical abilities from common gunpowder. Field Marshal Tamis's coup against his king sent corrupt aristocrats to the guillotine and brought bread to the starving. But it also provoked war with the Nine Nations, attacks by royalist fanatics, and the greediest scramble for money and power at Tamis's supposed allies, the church, workers' unions, and mercenary forces. Stretched to his limit, Tamis is relying heavily on his few remaining powder mages, including his embittered son, Taniel, a brilliant marksman, and adamant, Sorry. a... Daniel? Daniel or Taniel? Does that matter? Does that really fucking matter to you in this? It, it does, does to Andy. It does. <laughs> Taniel, T-A-N-I-E-L, if that sells you on the product. It might. A brilliant marksman and adamant a retired police inspector whose loyalty is being tested by blackmail. Now, as attacks batter them from within and without, the credulous are whispering about omens of death and destruction, just old peasant legends about the gods walking the earth. No modern educated man believes that sort of thing, but they should. The book is the winner of the David Gemmel Morningstar Award for Best Debut Fantasy. The books are an example of what's called flintlock fantasy, a burgeoning speculative subgenre of literature that derives fantasy and sci-fi scenarios from technology developed at the start of the Industrial Revolution in the 18th century. That's Powder Mage. What it do you think? Sounds like steampunk. With it's a it's a cousin of. Mm-hmm. You're not sounds exactly like- blowing my skirt up there, kid. It sounds like a foot in the door for the uh, eventual Girl Genius movie, so I, I kind of like that. It yeah. sounds like like a version of the Nevers. Was it the spelling of Taniel that did it for you? Absolutely. Yeah, it's all into Taniel. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of 18th century shit with magic right now. 
at least from what I'm seeing on Netflix and Hulu, and and it's kind of it's kind of turning me off a little bit, you know. I 18th century or 19th century. Well, either 18th... way, why do you gotta set it in the past? Why can't you set it in modern times or the future? No, I seriously haven't seen any. I mean, this is the first time I've heard it from from 18th century. I've seen a lot of 19th century stuff. I've lot of seen a lot of Victorian stuff and magic, but uh, I haven't seen any 18th. This is the first time I've heard of 18th century. We're moving on to The Future is Yours. Matt Reeves, who did Planet of the Apes and is working on The Batman, is developing a tech-based sci-fi drama entitled The Future for HBO Max. The project is based on Dan Frey's sophomore novel, The Future is Yours. Uh, Here's a description from the book. Ben and Adi have invented a computer that connects to the Internet one year from now. So you can see who you'll be dating, where you'll be working, even whether or not you'll be alive in the year to come. By forming a startup to deliver this revolutionary technology to the world, Ben and Addy have made their wildest, most impossible dream a reality. The device can predict everything perfectly from stock market spikes and sports scores to political scandals and corporate takeovers, allowing them to chase down success and fame while staying one step ahead of the competition. But the future their device foretells is not the bright one they imagined. Ambition, greed, jealousy, and perhaps an apocalypse. The question is, can they stop it? Frey will executive produce the adaptation with Anish uh, Shanganti, director and co-writer of Run, on board to direct an unspecified number of episodes. So that's the future of your, the future is yours. What do you think of that one? Say what the mood of it is. Is it a comedy or does it say? You got everything I've got. I think that'd be a hard one to play straight. I I think if you're playing it as a comedy, you could do it. But I think the premise is... Because I think the premise is too... I mean, if if they're selling that technology, then you get into the whole... uh, Yeah, they were. It doesn't sound like they're selling it. It sounds like they're... I, I thought the same thing at first, Andy. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, that's a weird app. But it sounds like they're using it to stay one step ahead of everyone else. If that's what yes. the case, then that's easier to do. But I, I really thought there was something in the pitch about them selling it. It sounds like a kind of modernized version of the Ben Affleck movie Paycheck to me. Help me out with that. I never saw Paycheck. Uh, he develops a, a telescope that, you know, that's based on the theory that if you have a powerful enough telescope, you can look beyond the curvature of the galaxy. And if you did that, you'd be able to see back into, you'd basically be able to see the future or, or a potential future. And then he uses that to, uh, to his advantage to escape this nefarious controller of the company that he was working for to develop this thing. Well, I learned two things. One, I never want to see Paycheck. It's actually a fun movie. You should watch it. And, okay, three things. One, 80s Jeff is full of shit. And uh, I don't ever want to see that. And two, three, technically, this movie sounds like every other sci-fi movie I've seen where where it's involved time travel. So do we know if they can affect the future or not? Because that determines whether or not I want to see this film. Because if they can't affect the future, that's one film. And it sucks. And if it's the one where they, where, where they can't, it also sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> Nah. Well, it's also episodic, Barry. Uh, Barry, that's probably part of the issue because the the first thing I thought of when it's like you can see the internet one year in the future 
what if you see a ruined civilization? And it sounds like uh, Todd mentioned something about uh, apocalyptic. So it sounds like they may they may start off just, you know, playing the stock exchange and what have you. And then all of a sudden they see something terrible is happening and maybe they can't do anything about it or maybe they don't know if they can. Well, that's worse because Primer took care of that in a movie's time. If they're going to make this episodic, that means they're going to drag it the fuck out for 10, 12 episodes when you could just do it in a movie. What was that TV series where the a newspaper was delivered to the guy's front door every day that had something that he had to solve? Oh, uh, oh I don't know. What was that? I, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. It's basically yeah. Quantum Leap, if you think about it. Look, yeah. Here's a thing you can solve. Fix this. Right. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. Quantum Leap. The, By the way, kids, watch Quantum Leap. Uh, <laughs> old man. Boy. Barry's homework is just getting longer and longer. That's why I don't take his classes. Cool teacher. <laughs> he's got a he's got a serious get off my lawn vibe going on tonight. <laughs> yeah. And the last pitch is the con life. Sci-fi is working on a reality show called The Con Life. Each episode will follow one con goer. Some of these include Ophelia, a 26-year-old cosplayer who is determined to win the cosplay contest at her local con. John and Sarah, a couple that after spending months talking online from a Facebook group, decide to finally meet for the first time in person at Comic-Con. Jesse, a freelance artist, and travels to various cons selling his prints. And Sean, he loves Back to the Future and has decided to do what it takes to get all of the cast of Back to the Future to sign his poster. This involves traveling all over the country to various cons, including a Huey Lewis concert to accomplish this goal. Con Life will show that there is more the con goers than just being geeks and show how discovery of cons brought them out of their shells and made them feel loved and part of a community. That's the con life. What do you think? Well, if it's showing geeks in a positive light, I kind of like it. If it's, if it's you know, look at those geeks. They're, they're goofy. I'm not going to go into it. But it sounds like it's positive. Yeah, that's what I, I get out of it, too. I think it could be done on the cheap, and I think it would be interesting and different of the pitches so far it's the the one that seems to be the most intriguing and there you have it gentlemen there's your pitches hello tomorrow about the uh, retro future world in which people are selling timeshares on the moon powder mage which is about powder mages the uh, magic with gunpowder the future is yours the internet from next year and the con life following con goers in the episode so there you have it. Barry, where do you lay your green light? The con life. All day long. All you had to say was like that. The con life and the first few sentences. And it's way better than the others. And I guarantee it would be cheaper to make. And it would be more interesting. Because it'd be about real people. And with cons. And I know cons, motherfucker. I know cons. And these people would be interesting. As far as Hello Tomorrow, go fuck yourself with your timeshares on the moon. I don't give a shit. With the powder mage, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a novel and I'm sure it's fun for someone, but I've seen it already. Where the future is yours, that's just the weakest stuff. And if you go through Amazon Prime every day and look for shit to put on the other screen while you're working, like I do, you're going to find 10, 12, 20 of these damn shows 
available, and they all suck. So the con life it is. And with that, I gotta take a piss. Noted. Yeah, when when did uh, when did Bizarro Stan Lee get here? <laughs> Andy, where do you put your green light? Oh, um, up until the Conwife popped up, I, I, the Taniel the Taniel factor had me on Powder uh, but uh, I I like the Conwife better. Uh, so Powder Magic will have to sit there as my my runner up, just in case something happens to Conwife. Uh, but yeah, right. no, I, that sounds like it's uh, nice and positive and fun and uh, not same old, same old. Jeff, where do you put your green light? Yeah, I think I'm also going to go with Con Life because uh, I think there needs to be more positive depictions of people that go to cons out there instead of what historically has been put out there with that. They take the the person that looks like they you know, work a minimum wage job, unkempt, blah, 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 all the stereotype uh, stuff. Um, it sounds like this is not that. So that's where I think I'm going to uh, lay my green light. And Kirsten, where do you put your green light? Uh, well, the future thing, I think, actually has some potential depending on what kind of future they, they work with. Which one of the future things? There's two. Is the, the uh, I'll I'm, get to it, Andy. How about that? All right. the, the, um, there's, there's an actually a show called The Future Is Yours, so I assume that's the one he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, but then, yeah, thanks. The Powder Mage thing, I have zero interest in early modern period or Victorian era uh, fantasy. I just, I, I, I have zilch. I just don't. I actually appreciate diesel punk, which is like the 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 World War One period fantasy. Before I appreciate that other stuff, I just don't like it. It doesn't appeal to me. So Powder Mage, no. I'm kind of torn because I like retro future type stuff, depending on the aesthetic and what they would be going for. The Hello Tomorrow is that yes. the um that actually i think has some potential and billy crudup is uh, is a good actor i like i like to see him in more stuff but you know what con life that actually is close to making me break my rule about hating reality shows i hate reality shows i just loathe them but this actually could be interesting so I think I'm going to green con life and uh, be very, very close with um, hello tomorrow. Hello yesterday. Hello, my yeah, <laughs> retro. So that's greens across the board, the con life. So that's what we are putting forward. So that being said, which one do you think is fake? Barry. I'm thinking hello tomorrow is the fake one. Because there's not a lot of details there. All I get is timeshares on the moon. Uh, and I think whoever wrote it just put it in it was going to be on Apple TV just to piss me off. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, chances are it's the con life because we all like it. But I'm going with Hello Tomorrow being a fake one. And by the way, the security at this company sucks. Yeah, we can't afford good security. You knew that when you signed your contract. Ugh. Andy, where do you think is fake? Uh, I'm afraid it's probably powder magic because uh, it's one I really like, and I don't think the con life is fake. I think that one's a 
an interesting idea, but uh, I think the powder magic uh, is fake. I, I don't even really understand what they're going to do with the other two, uh, but powder magic is probably the fake one. It's too good. Jeff, what do you think's fake? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it probably is con life, but I think I want the, uh, you know, hello tomorrow to be the fake one. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with hello tomorrow as the fake one. And Kirsten, what do you think is fake? I, I am also going to go with hello tomorrow because the, uh, the timeshares aspect of it. It's like it's Mad Men on the moon, but they're selling timeshares, and that's where I sort of like, hmm, I think someone's someone's being cheeky here. So that's my vote. Cheeky. Well, once again, we have a first in red light, green light. Ooh. Everybody voted for the same thing, and everybody voted for the fake one without Son identifying it. Damn it. The con life is the fake one sent in by Jake. Good well, job, Jake. Uh, I should have gone with my initial instinct when I that said it's probably the fake one. For you. That was the most successful pitch that we've gotten so far, because not only did no one identify it as fake, but everyone voted for it for the uh, pitch. So congratulations. You won the Internet. Someone should well, be making that. You're right. The con life would be an excellent show. Well, we won't know if he won the we won't know if he won the internet for till a year from now. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> so more depressing is you're telling me that all the rest of those are being made. Oh, God. That's correct. Hello tomorrow, Powder Mage, and the future is yours. More all stuff in to development. More to ignore. Well, take solace, Barry. If it ends up on Netflix, it'll probably be canceled after one season anyway. So I don't know if Deb's going to listen to this, but I guarantee you she will be watching Powder Mage. Oh, yeah. Because it's about 18th century shit. Yeah, she'll be she'll watch that. Which, speaking of, Andy, uh, Irregulars already got canceled, so you don't have to Did worry really? about any more. You don't have to worry Did about any more really? of it being made. Wow. Yeah. And if you want to send us a pitch, write to us, comments at UglyCountShow.com, and put pitches bitches in the subject heading, and uh, put in the body what the pitch is. If you do not want me to edit it, please indicate in your email. And we're going to continue talking about Jupiter's Legacy. So if you have not seen it or don't want to be spoiled by it, this is the time for you to stop. So, uh, and then join us once you have, or just don't even care. <laughs> so, okay, here it is. Jupiter's Legacy. No, I have not watched this. I have not read the books. I don't care if it's spoiled for me, because I'm going to watch it anyway. So, right. whatever. So, Kirsten, unleash. Uh, well, first of all, was there a code in the comic? Yes. Uh. Yes, there was. Okay, because I don't remember. I don't remember big conversations about that. To to spoil the uh, the the comic a little bit along with this show, the code really is only a big part of the first volume story in that first issue of the comic because everything goes to shit afterwards. Right. They they, they start off. They really that most of the talking about the code comes from Samson talking to his brother uh his brother being the villain and his brother is discussing that because this comic was written and was originally inspired by the 2009 
recession that was happening in the U.S. And Mark Miller was watching the U.S. basically start to crumble financially. And he was seeing it as this is the beginning of the twilight of the United States. These two characters, the two brothers, uh, the one that's shown as evil in the TV show, uh, wants to mind control President Obama to make him do certain actions to basically get everything under control in the United States. And, right. and, and the, uh, I get, like, Steve, the utopian uh, is like, no, we can't do this and because this is what we stand by. Okay, because, yeah, I mean, the, the focusing on the no killing was what really threw me. Because from what I remember of the of the comic i thought they kind of had things in hand with the villains there was no things are spiraling out of control with the villains you know what are we going to do it was yeah. it it was more like well you know there are villains out there we fight them but generally we got supermax and we kind of control the villains but the real problem is the the other world stuff the the economy and 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 the way countries are run and things like that. And it was it was a story about power and privilege and how you use it. And that was one of the things with the kids, because the kids are celebrity kids. They're typical celebrity youth culture. The going to the 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 clubs and you know um, yeah, I think Paris and, Hilton. Yes, exactly. Think, think. Hey, uh, he's he's popped up a couple times. Think Chet Hanks, famous for being famous, as opposed to right. famous for being blank. Right, and it it's like you know they 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 get all their privilege, but they're you know they're not doing anything with it. And Brandon is sort of a screw up in that he tries, but his big thing was not so much that he killed a villain as much as he went out to solve a problem while he was roaring drunk and he fucked up because he was shit faced. And so I'm, I'm sitting there watching the TV show and I'm like, um, thank you, Kim, the, the, the show runner after tonight left, he, he's totally missed the point. That's what, I mean, it was just sort of like, this is not what it's about. It's about, do we take over the world to solve problems beyond supervillains. I, I was just like, I'm not, I'm not seeing that. Yeah, the first issue of the comic basically encapsulates this entire season, and less so because the second issue of the comic takes place nine years afterwards. I, I don't want to spoil that for anybody that where this show might be going, but the show is so off the rails from the comic that it, yeah. if they are telling that story, they're never going to get there. It's really bizarre because there, there, there are choices that are being made that, that they're creatively making now that it's, uh, I'm, I'm actually wondering. I mean, just what they did with Raikou. I'm yes. like, that's one of the most, she's involved in one of the most devastating things that happens in the comic. And they, they got rid of her in a very yeah, forgettable and way. I was like, yeah, I mean, because in some respects, they they seem to be setting things up because things are supposed to get very very intense for Chloe, and it it seems like they're 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 setting that up, but at the same time it, they're like creating all these artificial tensions between Grace 
and oh, and you know what? Let me back up. Wait a minute. Did Samson? <laughs> is it in like Jupiter's Circle or what? Does Samson have this whole shit with his father? The ghost uh, of his father talking to him? I don't remember any of that. I never read Jupiter's Circle, so I don't know. Uh, okay. I know that that covers more of the earlier stuff with the re- right. with the Union. Exactly, and I was sort of like, I don't remember his, the the whole thing of them discovering the island and discovering the power was not this drawn out. It wasn't this, this, uh, this heavy in the book, and it was like, I think they're spending a hell of a lot of time on yeah. that. They're also that spending was... a hell of a lot of time on Samson maybe being not so crazy or being driven crazy. I don't remember that really. That was that was my gripe as somebody that's not, uh, you know, not read the source material. Is I liked the flashback stuff to the leading up to the discovery of the island, but I really felt like with as much time as they spent, quote unquote, getting to the island, that them getting their powers and suddenly appearing with their powers back at the boat was I, super super compressed because I felt like there was no payoff. I it think looked- that that's a very good criticism, Jeff, because it's like they took the whole fucking season to get him to the island, and then they just did the quick boop, 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 and, yep. and and it's like I, suddenly you're worthy, and here's your powers. Yeah, and it was sort because of, it was sort of like you know we have to overcome adversity, and it, I, I don't know, man. I just that whole thing. I was like, why are we doing this? It's kind of neat. I understand what you were saying about the pulpy, Todd. It's almost like 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 my always go to back cowboys and aliens. You know, the cowboy story is that that's the movie I'm ready to watch. You know, don't don't bring in aliens. I'm ready to watch Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig get at each other's throats. But right. this was you know, it it was like I just don't see the purpose in it. And some of the other why in the world did he have that fiance? Grace is his fiance in the comic, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, that they they yeah, they expanded that thing way out. In the comic, I, it's just like uh, Samson, his brother, and his fiance, and a couple friends from college go to this island and they right. find this and get the powers, and it's done. Yeah, I like what they're doing with. I'm blanking on the name, the Sky Fox. I, I like. Hutchinson's George? character. Yeah, George. George. Thank you. I kept thinking George was the brother. I don't know why. Uh, I like what they're doing with George. I like that guy. Come on. Is it me or does he look like the bastard child of Tom Hardy and Ray Fiennes? Well, he yeah. was in Timeless, which was a series that I really enjoyed, too. So mm-hmm. uh, seeing him in something else again after that show was, you know, unceremoniously canceled. You guys uh, are was doing good. just sucked. You guys are doing a great job of making me want to read the comics and not watch the show. Yeah. And I'm right the there. Comics, with the comics are amazing because Millar addresses one of the big issues of uh, it, it is a lot like Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come addressed the issue, you know, when the 80s wave of killing heroes came along and everything. And Jupiter's legacy addresses the issue of do we just take over? And he does it in Mark Miller style. I mean, it, it's 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 Garth Ennis brutal. It is brutal, dude. I mean, you you have no concept of what's coming if 
they follow the comics. But are they going to follow the comics? Because right they now, they, they, they've, they've, ki- they've killed off certain characters. And uh, yeah. they, they took so much time building up that back origin story that they didn't have time to tell the story of Jupiter's legacy. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm talking about issue number one. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, not, Andy, there, the there, there, there's stuff that happens that'll make your hair fall out in the comics. It's really intense. Things get things really, really, you know, kind kind of kind of go omni man, you know. But mm. um, it, it, it like invincible. But it it it's like I don't know. All of this focusing on the killing part too is just like well, and I don't. Was- that, that huge was, focus in the comic at all. That that was a gripe that I had with the series is they're trying to set it up like about the whole, you know, the heroes don't kill, but now the villains are killing. And they're killing off these heroes left and right. But our introduction to these heroes is so brief. You have yes. no connection with these characters. So when they do get yes. killed, you have no emotional reaction to it because it's like, okay, so we're supposed to care that they're getting killed off left and right, but we don't know anything about these characters other than that they're heroes and they're now dead. And I just, I'm like, I have no connection. Who cares about the funeral? Who cares? We've got, we've got coffins going in the ground and they're so busy trying to, trying to drag out this weird ass origin and Samson losing his his rocker, going off his rocker, that they don't cultivate those kids at all. And they should have, you know? They should have, and they didn't. And and so now it's sort of like we it it's uh it's tell, don't show. We have to be told how important these kids are as friends to Brandon and Uh, you know the significance of Chloe not showing up. I was just going to say about Chloe, too. That's another thing that's bothering me. It's like we're supposed to just kind of assume that the falling out between her and her father is over his, you know, rigidity as far as what, you know, the code and everything. But, you know, we're like all we see is this drugged out, self-important person. Yeah. That you really don't understand her angle because we haven't gotten enough to know about the character. We haven't got to know the character enough to go, okay, now I understand why she is so contentious with her father. All we know is that she is this bottomed out drug addict model that has now been let go from her agency and she hates her father. And that's, I'm like, how are we supposed to really understand the, the tension between the two of them. And, and why care? Because right now, yeah. you know, when she bitches about her father or about Brandon, the, yeah. you're not getting anything, anything that you can go, yeah, girl, you got a point. Right now, yeah, it's I, just I have, like, I oh, have, get over yourself. I have no sympathy for the character, and I'm not saying that the character shouldn't be sympathetic. I'm just saying the way they portrayed her, I have no sympathy for her father and his struggles trying to connect with his daughter or with the daughter and her fighting her addictions and or the quote-unquote legacy of her parents. It it literally just feels like two hollow characters that are butting heads for reasons that we've been told but we haven't been 
experienced enough to, or they haven't shown us enough experience between the two of them to understand either's point of view. Yeah. Part of it, and, and this is my own little gripe about Hollywood and celebrity youth culture. So maybe I'm putting too much into it, but I love the changes that they've made. Like, you know, everybody's doing Coke or whatever, you know, the whole club scene for the kids. Coke, Chloe is, is, is just really drugged out. Hutch, the, the Sky Fox's son who has the power rod. <laughs> in the comics, he's a drug dealer. And I like how in Hollywood eyes on, on a TV show, you can have people snorting coke and getting high and being drugged out, but you cannot have a potential protagonist hero deal drugs. So even showing him at his lowest, which is when he should be dealing drugs, being a drug dealer and stuff, they're not going to do that. Hollywood blinks and will not, will not do that because there's no redemption for that. You know, you're, you, no one's going to forgive someone who dealt drugs, even though it's really funny because there it is. You, you're, you know, Chloe will probably eventually be redeemed from being a drug, drug user. Right. But he can't be redeemed as a drug dealer. So they have to make him into some kind of petty thief or something like that. And I just thought that was, I also thought it was funny that you had this whole club scene and practically none of the kids smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like bullshit. You got a bunch of rich kids in a club snorting coke. They're all smoking too. Don't even give me that bullshit. And it's really funny when you put it up against um, Todd's pulp era where, you know, quite a few of the characters are smoking. I, 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 I don't know. It was that, and that's just an observation on my side. But it was just the whole thing is I think. Hollywood might have a bit of a problem with some self-examination um, because celebrity kids, kids born into privilege and power. There's this is this is, you know, right now, you know, Kardashians at all. It's on a level greater, bigger than even um, the Brat Pack of the 80s. These yeah. kids there. It's a whole nother level. I mean, especially like when you have like a. Uh, Kylie Jenner becoming damn near a billionaire, you know, off of the makeup just just for being, you know, essentially being Kylie Jenner. And I think Hollywood kind of blinked at dealing with that, because I really do think that a lot of what Miller was addressing was power and privilege. And they're totally missing the boat. They're totally not dealing with that. You can't, you can't see what they're doing about the killing deals with it because they're 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 just not because it really is it it is about let's take over the country and then we'll fix the economy and then you know and then and then it's like well what about China should we fix China and you know it just it's supposed to metastasize and one of the things I will do a little bit of spoiler for the comics one of the real ironies with this whole killing thing is that. The two characters, well, I think it's kind of obvious, but the two characters who become the revolutionaries and oppose the takeover of America, they build a coalition of super criminals to do it. 
Now, yeah. now, if this is all about villains killing and heroes not, how are heroes going to take over and the villains going to oppose them and, and our main characters are going to form an alliance with the villains if the villains are killers and it's all about killing and killing is terrible? You see what I'm saying there, Todd? Yep. They're, they're sort of boxing themselves out of the alliance that is supposed to happen with the big, big turnabout that we haven't, uh, we haven't spoiled. I yeah. will reiterate, the, uh, the, I really want to see the comic book now, and I'm not going to waste my time with the, uh, with the show. Uh, it's a serviceable, it's a serviceable yeah. superhero show. I've and, and been it, sitting here quietly listening to all you guys talk about the show, and as much shit as you talked about it before the spoiler stuff, and even during. Now I want to watch this damn show. Right. Oh, wow. that's, the, that's the weird thing. Even with all these gripes, it was still intriguing enough that I wanted to watch it and but figure out. The you come. guys have. Yeah, and I want to watch this. Come. But it's but Kingdom Come and Jupiter's Legacy were the comics were about different things. So that's where I'm coming from. They are not yeah. they are not addressing the big issues, the themes of Jupiter's Legacy. But it's a serviceable TV show. It's not bad at all. It's it's just like it, you know. It's sort of like my gripe about Conan, nineteen eighty two. It's a it's a great movie. It's not Robert E. Howard's Conan. This is not Mark Miller's Jupiter Legacy. And again, it's just the first season, so maybe the second season it takes off. I mean, it's sure. it's not unheard of in the in yeah. the annals of television. So I, I mean, it could be another. Season two, th- it takes off? I don't know. I think they made a big mistake making the end of the show reveal being that it's the brother that's put all this stuff into motion. Yes. Instead of making the end of the show him taking his big action. Which, again, is an issue two of the comic. Yeah. So Is it just me, or was I, yeah. nobody... Was nobody really surprised that it, the, about the, the reveal of the brother being the, the one that... Clo- it, it didn't feel like much of a reveal to me. It didn't feel that, shocking. That, you know, I mean, we've spoiled things for, for Barry and, and Andy, but I'd be interested to see if they... No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not crying about that. I'm, I'll be interested to see if you guys feel it coming. For those of us who read the comic, I just sat there saying, okay, when are you going to reveal? Oh, they're, okay, yeah, oh, that's what you're going to do. Okay, you know, you, you could sort of see it coming. Fortunately, and, I have a terrible memory because I did a lot of shit to my brain. <laughs> so I will not remember half of the shit you guys said. So it's all news to me. Right, Barry, I just only get three shots of the show. I just didn't feel like it was much of a surprise <laughs> when it was revealed. I was just like, oh, okay. As opposed to, oh my god, oh my god, it was just kind of meh, right? Uh, it's, well, it's this it's the same issue that it's supposed to be. Oh my god, he killed his daughter before yeah. we ever learned that we were supposed to care that his daughter was there. Yeah, there, there's little yeah. payoff in any of the and, action. And you know, I don't know that doesn't that doesn't bode well for what in the comics was the big twist, the yes. big thing, and and when that thing comes up in this show. I don't know, man. I don't because the comics, the the, the the comics shock you. 
they shock you. Yes. And, and it relies on uh, that character for that big moment. Yes. So well, the, and, da- yeah, the daughter. Some of the, some of the critical reviews, the non-spoiler ones that I've read, the critics have said it's it doesn't do service to the comic because the comic is shocking where this tends to be more, it said it felt more mainstream. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And I think, and I think a lot of that shocking loss is because they're really focused on the wrong thing. Uh, it's, not, it's not about a code against killing. It's about, do we take over the world? We have the power. Do we use it? You know, and some the of the of- tension there is that they went to the island. In the comics, they went to the island. They were like, this, what we're going to experience, what's, what this is all about, you know, we're going to be able to change the world. And then it became about oh. superheroes and supervillains, and they got caught up in that. that. That reminds me. Okay, so they hint at it in the show, but they never explain it. They said that, He's like, yeah, it was tougher for them because they had to go through those trials to get their powers, and we didn't. It's like, how did the general population get their powers? It doesn't seem to ever have any real explanation. And I, I kept going, did I just miss it somewhere? Because it seems like they go to the island, they get their powers, you know, and they talk about the trials they went through to get them and blah, blah, blah. But suddenly, almost everybody has powers villains and heroes alike and it's like how did these people that are not even like legacy children have their powers it just it it felt weird that that was not even like like it could have been a one word sentence to explain why it just felt like a big mystery because (laughs) yeah exactly they, they are doing way too much of the whole mystery box things with this show the comic isn't a mystery box kind of story, but they're including elements of that into this. Like, why is Firefox in the in the clone's body? You know, it's they're adding a lot of elements that aren't in the comic that are just there to make you ask why. Got it. I, I'm <laughs> fine with that if you have a full plan and it seems like you have a plan and you tell an interesting enough story that that was really cool. Now, what about this instead of well, that wasn't all that great, and they didn't answer this. So it's it's a big risk that they took that just didn't pan out. For, and frankly, with the reviews that it's getting, it's possible they may this might be a one season thing. Well, I mean, Netflix has not been shy this last year about <clears throat> axing stuff that they've you know they've signed shows to two and three season contracts, and then they're canceling them after one season. So I, it's very possible this could happen as, to this one as well. I love how passionate you guys are about a show that you're like middling about. You're like, eh, yeah, it's kind yeah, of, you know, okay. it's because it's because very like 20 minutes talking about it. There's so much potential. Like I keep seeing all these elements of potential that don't have payoffs as the series goes on. And I'm like, OK, I get what they're kind of trying to do here. You have to add more to it or even like one or two lines that would make it much more emotionally gratifying for the viewer when the things that happen happen, if that makes sense. It really feels like it could be something extraordinarily special, and it just isn't yet. And it's drawn from some extraordinary source material. I mean, guys... 
you watch this TV show and then read the comics, you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Mark Miller is known for kick-ass, but in my opinion, this is the best thing he wrote. Yes, I would. I totally would agree with you on that. It, it really, I, uh, Jup- the, the first five books, uh, the first five issues just blew my hair back because I just thought it was, it, there was plenty of unexpected and he really did ask some big ass questions. And, uh, and if you can order it, Andy, get it and read it yeah. because I don't know that they had the confidence of their choices confidence in their decisions i'm not sure yeah i think you're and right I think, kirsten they're just it didn't feel like they were confident in any yeah. decision that they made for each episode and i'm i'll bet my left nut that Stephen denight was going to do more of a a, a comics based adaption and things got out of his hands and they decided they wanted to do kingdom come instead i don't know i don't know and there's also the mis- mixed aesthetic where some of this show looks like movie grade special effects and costumes and fights. And then there are moments where it looks like 90s era costumes, <laughs> right. fights and effects. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's also inconsistent in that way, too. You're right. But oddly what? enough, I recommend watching it. Uh, yeah. Eric, hey, Eric, you watch good. it. I'll read the comic. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, in fact, in fact, here's your here's your your homework, Andy. You read the comic, then watch it. Barry, you watch it, then read the comic. There you <laughs> go. Oh, I gotta buy shit. Ugh. That's right. Please, you just bought a lightsaber. This is a ten dollar comic book. That, I can't afford ten dollars. I just bought a pair of lightsabers. <laughs> it's ramen time, motherfucker. <laughs> and if you watch it, what do you think of it? Write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Back checked, Andy. And Dr. Vlarg. We'll talk to you next week in Geek. And for those that hung around, appreciate it. We always yeah. appreciate yeah. you hanging out with us. I'll see you all in the South Florida Fair. Yay! I'll see you all in Hyboria. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> is that... Uh, is that invitation to join the uh, the uh, your clan uh, up to open to the monkeys? It's, it's not a clan, and we have to be th- at least three player kingdoms away. Just just write in and say you want to join, and who knows? Maybe I'll join another game of two games going at once. Because why not? Why? Because not? you can't afford a book, so you're gonna just play <laughs> extra game. That's totally different. <laughs> So let's talk about how all you guys are going to play Hyborian War. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I will. Hyborian War. It's fun. Emphasis on the boring, right? Oh, my oh. God. It's just, you know what? <laughs> let's just throw it back to the 1980s when games actually had some oomph to them. Now it's all, like... This is the problem I have with modern video games, is that they're all... Uh, glitz and no actual play control. Atari had to make do with 8 bits and that's it. And you had to make a game out of it. Screw the graphics. And nowadays you got all this graphic power and the games are shit. Well, play by mail is kind of like that. Where well, there's no graphic power. It's games all are shit because of the way that they're made now. You have 
execs driving the the train that have no actual experience in engineering or game design whereas like the early days of video games the people in charge were former programmers or actually contributed to the product versus now where you hire people directly out of some kind of mba program to manage things and they look at it as more of a business than as a creative endeavor too many many suits not enough game players yeah well i mean you know it's not exclusive to video games i mean you look at a company like boeing who you know back in the day everyone that worked at boeing was an engineer from the person that was on the floor popping rivets into sheet metal up to the very president of the company. They were all had engineering backgrounds, so they all knew what was going on. And anybody from the floor could go to their manager or to the next manager up and say, here's an issue I'm seeing. This is how we could simplify it. Or, you know, they would take uh, construction and engineering problems to their managers and the managers understood versus now where, you have somebody that has zero experience in that company other than just being somebody with an MBA, and they go, well, how, what's that going to cost us? As opposed to, oh, how can we fix that problem? How can we make can our product better? Can we go back to this premise of the uh, everyone had an engineering degree? So you yeah. can like go to four, or I don't know how many years you have to go to engineering school. Well, let's just say four for the simplicity. And then it being a guy popping rivets, that, that, that hurts. Yeah, yeah. Well, back then, you know, they made enough to get. Yeah, like, everybody made house, about the same. Put a kid through college. It was a different an, story. An, an executive in in Boeing back in you know the days where they actually had people that were all engineers, the uh, you know the executives were only making you know four or five times what the person popping rivets on the floor was. They weren't making two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand three hundred times what the, the person on the floor is, and in some cases, even more than that. I bet those but, rivet guys never said they were rivet guys. I bet they just said, yeah, I work at Bowen. Yeah, well, you know, but there was no shame in it back then. You know, you're talking like the, to work. the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, they, they worked at Boeing. They, you know, everybody had an important job to play. I'm just using Boeing as an example, just because it's another company that has really fallen from what it was founded for. Anyway, getting off I'm, topic. I'm curious Almost to get back to this to, to figure out. I'm curious <laughs> to go back and figure out how this got from faces of death to changes in manufacturing in the United States. Well, we were talking about video game design <laughs> and how back in the early days of video games, you know, everyone at the studio contributed. Even like the the people in charge had programming experience and were, you know, contributing to it. You know, we're talking like the 70s and 80s. They all uh, had knowledge of the what? No, not not really. In fact, that's why there. That's why Activision even happened, because that that one everybody had knowledge because that was a company that was started by programmers uh, for gamers. But they we were left, talking about they, Atari. Yeah, I'm talking about Atari. That, but even though Nolan created a a area a a environment of engi- of you know, engineers and programmers uh, he himself was more the corporate guy he couldn't program shit well it's not 100% accurate 
metaphor. Yeah, we we were generalizing. The, the, the but... point was, you get a game like Yars Revenge, which is like bits and in blips, and but somehow it's got amazing play control. And then you get the modern version of Yars Revenge, which is just a hot fucking turd. And if you remember when we first discussed this years ago. The Yars Revenge development team is severely mentally retarded. You, you and I remember Yars Revenge uh, very differently. Really? How do you remember it? I don't remember it being. I mean, I just all those eight bit games were just painfully simple. I mean, yeah. impossible to play in some cases because there were invisible things that would kill you. But yeah, still. given there was an ET for every Yars Revenge, but there were a lot more Yars Revenges than there were ETs. And I was just comparing the play control that was available in those games like Yars Revenge to literally the sequel to it in like 2003, four that I just ripped to pieces in the old Ugly Couch show. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> it's called a callback, kids. Anyway, so what's in the news, kids? 